Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Rattlegem Broadcasting Network brings to you Damn You Hollywood! And here's your host, Robert Winfrey! Yay! Yeah, it's a bit much. <laughs> you know, I actually, uh, no. I actually threw my hands in the air and waved them like Kermit the Frog. I know. <laughs> I know you did. I, I don't even need to see it. I know you did. <laughs> I almost got up and ran out of the room like Kermit the Frog, too. But then I remembered I had headphones on and I'm in my underwear and people would not appreciate me streaking through my cul-de-sac in just my briefs. Hello, everyone. Well, not twice in one week, at least. Uh, yeah, well, I, there's a limit. I've been told there's a limit by, by, the, by the sheriff's office. Uh, anyway, everyone, hello. As Mark mentioned, I'm Robert. This is Damn You Hollywood. Tonight we are in... You know, I, I pitched an indie film to be reviewed this week. Um, I forgot there was a... No. I, sorry, forgive the jokes. We have a strict time limit on shtick this evening. Um, tonight we are reviewing Avengers Infinity War because... I mean, really. really? If we're not going to review that, what I, are we doing? Hang on. Week? I came prepared to review having sex with water. We're not doing that? No, you didn't. Don't lie to me. Why would <laughs> you know that you didn't? I have to work in one having sex with water joke every show. That's the that's hey. the new rule. I mean, you can keep trying, but all right. <laughs> you can introduce me or what? And no. Okay. We all know who you are. Um. Anyway, <laughs> on that somewhat dubious note, uh, yeah, Mark is here as per usual. You heard him intro me this week. Uh, you don't care about the minor technical issues that vary from show to show. So, but this week I had to be introed because reasons. So, uh, Mark, how are you this evening? You oh, doing I'm, good. I'm Things just... okay down there in Florida. This slow and exorable march towards the heat death of the universe not getting you down. I'm fine. All right. <laughs> I'm just ducky, sir. We have guests. Can we please bring out the guests? I do. Let's go. Yes. Uh, you're the one who extended... I mean, I was prepared to move on after you said I'm fine. Like, okay, good. Okay, um, because Hurry for up. some reason, people want to be on this show. Yeah, uh, We do have a couple of guests this evening. I don't know why. I honestly... It's so easy <laughs> to start a podcast. I don't know why anyone wants to be on ours. But but by no golly... barrier to entry. <laughs> <laughs> but by golly, Fair here enough. they are. Go ahead, Robert. Uh, first up, he was on a... 
while it was on a little while ago. I forget for which show, so my apologies for that. But Pacific letting Rim. us claim that we are an international podcast, all the way from North Montana, we have David Wright back with us again. How you doing, David? I'm good, thanks. Suck it, Andrew. <laughs> and back for oh god. I want to say she's been on two shows. Um, I know she was part of the Long Road to Ruin look at the Harry Potter franchise. Uh, from, what is it, Honeysuckle Rose Creations, uh, we have Alexis Haina joining us this evening. Hi, Alexis. Welcome to the show. I'm so very, very sorry. You got my last name right. You actually remember the name of my company. I'm not going to complain. Yet. <laughs> Yet. Yes. Keep working. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, for those of you who don't know how this works, um, you know, let me start with this. Uh, because we are talking about Infinity War, and I'm going to do... I don't know why I have to remind people of this every week. I do a plot synopsis, so if you haven't heard this yet, beware, I'm going to tell you everything. Not in and- lurid detail, because it's a two-and-a-half-hour movie. And you're not going. And you're not going to do any editorializations. You get no. You get zero this week. Normally, you're allowed you, three. You get it, none this week. Normally, I'm allowed three. Give me one so that I can know where your head's at as far as, far as what. Because you you change a little bit for as far as what what constitutes my editorializing. <laughs> okay, so give me one. You can have. You can have one. One okay. editorial is that is that fair, Alexis? He he can only have one editorializing comment while he does a plot synopsis. I'm just sitting over here in the corner trying not to interrupt and making sure I don't step on anyone's toes. <laughs> All right. Oh, you're, you're, you're welcomed here. You, you're one of, you're one of, listen, you, you were our special guest on Source Material during, during uh, Feminism Week, Women's Week. We talked corky butts. You're one of the family now. I want it known that I promised, Mark, when I was at, when I was invited to be on the show tonight, I promised I wasn't going to bring up Corgi Butts. He did. That is on him, not me. <laughs> All right. And with our 10-minute window for nonsense rapidly closing, uh, I want to give each of you, except Mark, so David and then Alexis in that order. <laughs> Uh, just fi- very briefly, Mark likes to say 50 words or less, so somewhere in that vicinity. Uh, because this is not just a big movie, this is a widely anticipated movie. There was, you know, years of wind-up, years of build. Just, again, very briefly, your expectations kind of going in, and please don't get into the actual content of the movie just yet, because we will have plenty of time for that. But just, so again, starting with David and then moving to Alexis when he's done, just expectations, kind of pre-film thoughts you had going in when you went in to see this? Okay, well, obviously I've been waiting for this since I finished watching The Avengers. And I would just kind of say I was not disappointed. I wasn't expecting the greatest movie ever, but, you know, a solid, good Marvel movie. And that's that's what they delivered on. If not a little uh, higher, I'd actually say. Okay, okay, I'm done now. Yeah. As far as anticipation for this movie, um, having dinner before I went to see it with my family, my dad said that he had read the article and he knew the ending. To which I stood up, pointed at him, and said, "You say one more word, and I will cut you up into little pieces, and I will feed you to my corgi." <laughs> I think that kind of 
breaks it down exactly how excited I was for this. <laughs> All right. Isn't it interesting how, like, in the years leading up to a film, we will scour the internet for any small tidbit of information about what's in a movie, but the moment the week it comes out, we will instantly switch to murdering anyone who tells us anything about it. <laughs> right, the window... Star the, Wars, the, I'm looking at you. The, the window shuts, <laughs> the door closes, it's like, that's it, we go into... I have a friend of mine who literally won't go on the internet a week before the movie that he wants to go see opens. Uh, like, you know, big ones. Like, when, like last year with The Last uh, Jedi... He literally went on like internet shutdown for all but the essentials, so that he wouldn't get any spoilers. I don't. I think after the first trailer aired on television, he was like, "That's it. I'm not watching a single Star Wars video or looking at a piece of Star Wars news until I see the movie." Like that's how serious he was. Yeah, there's a shocking lack of consistency amongst that type yeah. of fandom. I'm entirely too pragmatic about it. Like someone could have told me exactly how Infinity War ended, I still would have seen it because I had to review it. Like to me, it's only relevant if it actually deters your decision to see the film. But again, I'm a pragmatist. All right, so here's your warning, everybody. Um, ugh. that was you know a warning. No. no, 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 no. I have a brother who's I have a brother who's going to be in the room when I'm doing this, and he hasn't seen the movie yet, and I don't want to spoil anything for him at his specific request. Look, everybody at Robert Winfrey's is... house, get out. <laughs> yeah, basically. I'm just, I just want to make sure he's aware that he could be walking into this. Okay, there he is. All right, here comes the plot synopsis, everybody. So if you have not seen it or you and don't wish to be spoiled, here's your warning. You have five seconds. Five, four, three, two. Everybody dies. <sighs> Only half. Oh, yeah, I was going to say this. It, it, well, you know what? You might as well say everybody dies because that's the feeling you have when you leave the theater. Sunken hearted, that cold feeling in your stomach, slowly removing your 3D glasses, going, what the bloody hell just happened? I don't know. I saw the moment that the lead in the second highest grossing film of all time dematerialized. I'm like, yeah, they're coming back. We'll get there. I, I, I want to <laughs> get to that. Like, Mark and I both have thoughts on that. But anyway... um. As for Infinity War, we open with basically the ending of Thor Ragnarok. Uh, Thanos' ship has arrived. He is obliterating the Asgardians. And we get a nice little voiceover from Ebony Maw. We get our first real kind of intro to Thanos as a character, not as grinning guy at the end of a <laughs> at the end of a movie. He finally got out of the chair. <laughs> yeah, Thanos, you lazy really, bastard! You don't. Yeah, um, we get our first couple of on-screen deaths in this situation. Uh, specifically, uh, Loki and Heimdall. Uh, Heimdall first, then Loki. I would have done that. I, I want to get to that in a second. We also get one of my favorite moments from the entire movie. Uh, Thanos just puts a very swift, very thorough beat down on the Hulk and then sends him into pouty baby rage for the rest of the film. Uh, Thanos, uh, the whole point of this is that is Loki has the Tesseract, which of course houses the times or the Space Stone, excuse me. Uh, Thanos wants it. Thanos gets it. Thanos then breaks Loki's neck. Uh... During all this, Heimdall accesses the Bifrost remotely because he's awesome and sends the Hulk hurtling towards Earth as a warning to them because there's two stones on Earth. 
Thor survives the explosion because he's no longer just the, you know, god of thunder. At this point, he's technically the All-Father and is significantly stronger than when not the All-Father. Uh, Thanos blows up the ship. The Hulk hurdles into the Sanctum Centaurum in New York, mirroring the bit from uh, the original comic. What are the odds? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Say what you will, what time delta that guy can aim. Yes, yes, he can. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think Doctor Strange and Wong would disagree and probably say, couldn't you have aimed just a few more feet so it was like, I don't know, outside? Do you have any idea how big a universe is? <laughs> Versus how uh, big a planet is? Yeah. Anyway. Hey, th th this is Heimdall we're talking about. No excuses. That's true. Heimdall sees everything. It's Heimdall, not Hawkeye. He had a fucking chest wound at the time, if God I remember God damn it, correctly. it's Heimdall, not Hawkeye. Come on. Or Legolas. Wow. <laughs> Hawkeye doesn't shoot well in space. Zero gravity throws off his aim, despite his I'm range being. I'm already in. annoyed. Go get on with this. I say, speaking you of Hawkeye, I'm assuming we're going to get to that later in this discussion. Yeah, yeah. Hang on. Um, after Bruce, uh, Hulk lands in the Sanctum Centaurum and reverts to Bruce Banner because when I lost a fight, <laughs> I would. I feel like you're deliberately. <laughs> you, that. you are deliberately provoking me, Winfrey, and I won't yes. have it. Yes, I am. <laughs> um. Anyway, Bruce. so Bruce Banner arrives and warns them that Thanos is coming. Things get a little fragmented here, so I, I'm going to kind of touch on the major points. This is not the order they are presented in. Um, Doctor Strange, who, again, the Hulk basically landed on, recruits Tony Stark because Tony Stark is the head of the Avengers, at least what's left of them. We get a 30-second recap of the events of Civil War for the sake of Bruce Banner because he was, you know, not there. That's how you do exposition. Yeah. Uh, Tony gets a bit of exposition on the Infinity Stones and what they are and how dangerous things are. Uh, at around that time, we get... Um, it's Ebony Maw and Obsidian something or other. I can, he's Call the one Obsidian. Who said, Call, Call Obsidian. Obsidian. Call Obsidian. Thank you. He's the one I can never remember. I always remember the other three. Uh, they arrive on Earth looking for the Time Stone, which is, of course, the Eye of Agamotto. We get a fight. Spider-Man shows up. The Hulk won't come out because, again, pouty child. Go to hell. <laughs> uh, this ends with Doctor Strange being captured by Ebony Maw and Cull Obsidian left somewhere in the Himalayas. He gets picked up later because... Or, eh, there's another Q-ship floating around, so it works. Um, Spider-Man gets the Iron Spider armor as he and Tony wind up sta uh, storing, uh, stashing away on this ship as Ebony Maw hurdles into space with the Time Stone and Doctor Strange. Am I the only one wondering why there wasn't a Voldemort joke about that guy? They there were, were already made. They've been made. We got a Squidward joke. Yeah. yeah. They, the, the, they went with Squidward instead of Voldemort. It's fair. Um, I feel like somewhere else, though, I, it was the Screen Junkies or somewhere else that already made the Ebony Maw um, Voldemort joke. Yeah, like as soon as there were pictures of him, like everyone made that joke. Um, I, you know, I'm anyway, actually willing to bet that they originally said Voldemort, and and then when they saw the memes coming out, it's like, okay, this is getting ridiculous, and they may have just auto dubbed in Squidward. Probably, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me at all. I know you think after the reaction to Star Wars, everyone would be happy that the first fan theory came true. <laughs> waka waka. Also, also fair. Uh, anyway, this is where things kind of fragment. The Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, responding to the Asgardian distress call, pick up Thor. Uh, Thor takes Rocket and Groot to Nidavellir to 
forge a new weapon because Thor without a weapon feels useless despite having actually learned here's my one editorial despite having actually learned in the previous movie which sucked out loud that he doesn't need the damn hammer he now decides he needs the hammer which is fine Stormbreaker's awesome I can live with it so they head off to rendezvous with giant Peter Dinklage which is hilarious funniest thing in this movie is Peter Dinklage being a dwarf but also a giant uh, so they, so Rocket and Groot and Thor are doing this for the majority of the movie. Banner puts in a call to Captain America because somebody has to. They they wind up taking the Vision, who is in possession of the Mind Stone, to Wakanda after after uh, thwarting an attempt by Proxima Midnight and Corvus Glaive to steal it from him. Uh, they also pick up uh, War Machine along the way. They have a the, the reason they go to Wakanda is they believe that there they can safely extract the Mind Stone from Vision and not kill him in the process. Uh, The Guardians, such as they are, so this is Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, and Mantis, go to nowhere to try and stop Thanos from getting the Reality Stone, which is being held by Benicio Del Toro. That's just Benicio Del Toro in real life. I'm I'm convinced at this point. Uh, they're too late. He's already got the stone. He kidnaps Gamora because Gamora knows where the soul stone is. And he wants it. Uh, Thanos and Gamora wind up on Vormir, where we meet biggest shock of the movie for me with the Red Skull reappearing as the guardian of the soul stone. Uh, it turns out he has to sacrifice something he loves, and basically the only thing in the universe Thanos actually loves is Gamora, so he throws her to her death. Like you Acquires do. the soul. Mm-hmm. If you're Thanos, you do. I mean, you wouldn't, but I mean, you'd throw me to my death, but you wouldn't throw your daughter. <laughs> Just... I hate to say it, I thought that was the only part of the movie that they really dragged out on. I mean, the minute they, that uh, Darth Maul, as my husband was calling him, said a soul <laughs> for a soul. <laughs> No, seriously, I, the minute he showed up I, and we saw him, I said, holy crap, it's Red Skull, and my husband goes, holy crap, it's Darth Maul, and I look at him and go, eh, you know what, yours is funnier. The minute yeah. he said a soul for a soul, it was like, and predictable solution in three, two, oh crap, she's still talking. <laughs> there, there were two points like that that I felt dragged, but I'll get to those anyway. So that is uh, the other Guardians... So at this point we're down to Star-Lord, Drax, and Gamora... Not in Gamora. Star-Lord, Drax, and Mantis. Go to Titan to theoretically rendezvous with Nebula, who shows up later. They meet Iron Man, uh, Doctor Strange, and Spider-Man. Have a conflict, because nobody knows who the other ones are. But Thor did mention the Avengers, so when they say we're the Avengers, there's a bit of commonality. Personality clashes abound. Uh, They set up to fight Thanos on Titan... With Doctor Strange uh, looking into the future to try and determine the best possible outcome, which I do want to touch on later. Uh, while this is happening, the beginnings of the war in Wakanda start. The Vision is indisposed while they try to extract the Mind Stone from him. They leave Wanda to watch over him. Everyone else goes out and fights the Outriders and Cull Obsidian and Proxima Midnight. Big battle sequence, which is a lot of fun in some respects. Uh, it starts going really, really badly for them because there's like in a significantly greater number of Outriders. Uh, then Thor, who having completed the Stormbreaker axe slash hammer, 
along with uh, Groot and Rocket show up because the Stormbreaker can access the Bifrost. They show up, and Thor, being, you know, unbelievably powerful at this point, is able to almost single-handedly turn the battle in their favor. Uh, the battle on Titan almost goes well for uh, our plucky band of adventurers, but Quill loses his cool when he realizes Gamora is dead. He winds up breaking their hold on him. Thanos responds by smashing them all into oblivion further, nearly killing Tony Stark. I was so sad that he didn't. Uh, Strange barters away the Time Stone in exchange for Stark not dying, which is an odd thing for him to do, but again, I do want to get to that later. Uh, So Thanos now with five of the six stones goes to Wakanda to obtain the sixth and final stone. He basically single-handedly runs over all of the Avengers except Thor. Uh, Wanda does actually destroy the Mind Stone. She's able to do this. But because Thanos has the Time Stone and you're a bunch of stupid... And, like, everyone else around him is a bunch of stupid hoes, he just rewinds time as it pertains to the Vision. Then takes the stone, achieves ultimate power, Thor shows up, throws the axe into his chest... But alas, too little too late, Thanos is able to snap his fingers, wiping out half life on the half of all life in the universe. He then retreats to his sanctuary to reflect on a job well done, despite the fact that this cost him basically everything he could have possibly cared about. And the Avengers stare around in horror as life evaporates away around them. Uh, specifically, we lose... Who was it? We lose uh, Bucky... Black Panther, uh, Spider-Man. We lose all the Guardians. um, (laughs) Except except for Rocket. Except for Rocket. Except for Rocket. Rocket sticks around. Yeah. uh, uh, He's got to get that arm. He can't. It it evaporated. Although if he had left behind his arm because it wasn't actually part of... Oh, they should have left the arm. Because it wasn't actually living. It was purely mechanical. So Rocket could have had the arm. Um, Anyway. (laughs) No, as I was saying, I think it's important to point out that even though we don't see Hawkeye in this movie, we know we're going to see him in the sequel, so the original six Avengers are still there and still alive. I thought that was an interesting point out. So it's like, wait, yeah, uh, Rogers is there, Romanoff's there, Banner's still there, Thor's still there, Tony is still alive on Titan... So I, I I just thought that was an interesting idea that the original six uh, made it out alive. It it was an odd choice, and our and that is the end of the movie proper. Thanos wins, uh, but it won't matter, and I'll we'll get to that in a second. Uh, our big post credit scene is right before the the disintegration of Maria Hill and Nick Fury, where they also happen to cut off Samuel Jackson's iconic mother effer line. Uh, he sa- is able to send a distress signal to Captain Marvel, whose origin story will be out later this year. Nope. Next year. next year. Next year. Next year. We get we get Ant-Man and the Wasp later this year. We get mm-hmm. Captain Marvel next year, which will lead immediately into the sequel to this, which has already been shot. Mostly. Um, no, principal photography, yeah, your... principal photography on Avengers 4 Part 2 is done. Um, they're just now doing special effects. Yeah. They shot these back to back, and which is which is brilliant because they're going to make money just on this one. So part two is just pure profit. It is nothing but gravy. It's a lot of gravy. <laughs> uh, so, all right. 
so much gravy. This time, we didn't forget the gravy. <laughs> Chuck Jones salutes you. <laughs> uh, all right. That again. That is that is what happens. Now again, I skipped over a few things. Uh, anything else that we might want to touch on? That's what this whole segment is for. So, uh, Mark, I didn't give you a preview for this. So, what do you? Where do you want to start unpacking this? Like, what big in, takeaways? What do you want to touch on first? Yeah, in the interest of time, and so that I can give our guests more time to discuss their thoughts, I'm going to break this down to my good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and I'm going to just a couple of things in each category. Uh, the good. It was. It was very entertaining. Um, obviously, you know, this this did feel like the big conclusion to like, like if the Marvel Cinematic Universe up to this point was a book, chapter one was Iron Man. This feels like the first half of the conclusion of that book. I came out of it um, thinking a lot about movies very similar to this in tone and nature. The Empire Strikes Back, the... Um, the uh, Desolation of Smaug, um, The Two Towers, again, same vein there, um, The Matrix Reloaded, and, you know, every one of these, including this one, handled the midway point of a, of a conclusion very differently, uh, some obviously more successful than others. And as I started to think about how I felt about this one in relationship to those, I feel like this one's right in the middle. Um, as far as you know, if you if you frame this movie as a tragedy, it works just fine. The structure of it works just fine. Um, if you frame Thanos as the singular star, almost the protagonist of this thing, uh, I think the structure works just fine. Now we can we, we can debate that back and forth, but that's but that's kind of how I had to frame this movie in order for me to really get it. Is you have Thanos, he has a philosophy and a mission he goes about carrying that out these characters, these antagonists kind of get in his way um, he outthinks them he outsmarts them and eventually he accomplishes his goal and then he goes home okay it's told that way the movie makes sense to me if you sort of, if you flip it and you try to apply a sort of standard, you know, hero versus villain thing to it the whole thing I think unravels Again, your 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 thoughts on that may be different than mine, but that's that's what I came away with. As far as um, you know, what I liked, you know, I, I I said going into this, especially after I'd read the article about uh, the Russo brothers saying this is the funniest movie we've done, and they're the one that did the 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 previous two Captain Americas. Listen, I didn't hate Thor. I don't think it's a piece of trash. The you know the way that Winfrey and and Mullen do, but. Hey, hey, we are not alone. All right? Uh, Let me be very clear about this. No, of course you're not alone, but I don't do it. with Pat and I on a hill willing to die about Thor Ragnarok sucking. And just half the army that came to kill us turning around and going, nah, they're kind of right. Yes, dipshit, but I don't do a podcast with the rest of the world, now do I? I do a podcast with you, my friend, and and Mullen, and and so I'm addressing you two by name. Yes, obviously a lot of people didn't like Thor Ragnarok. Um, I liked it. I, you and I agree, <laughs> Alexis. Um, but it was a cont- it, it was definitely a contentious movie, and part of what and this is the point that I was trying to get to. Uh, the what made it contentious was 
the humor, the way that it was used in the movie, you know, in terms of undercutting a lot of what was supposed to be uh, solemn moments. So I was really afraid in the wake of Thor Ragnarok that a movie where oh, you're going to yeah. kill half the people in that have, that have been established in this universe uh, is going to be undercut by stupid humor. I, you know, I put on Facebook, please, movie, don't suck. That's what I meant by that. <laughs> please, no, please keep the quipping to a, to a minimum. Uh, and they did. I have they, a very specific, I was okay with it for a couple of very specific reasons, but I'll let you finish your point. Um, so they, they did. They, I feel like they were respectful to the tone of the movie that they themselves established in the first place. You couldn't. It couldn't be completely humorless. One, no one would. No one would 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 have liked the movie if that was the case. Um, and two, that's, that's just not the Marvel movie. So it's fine. Also true. Um, however, uh, obviously, it looks great. They 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 obviously took their time with the CGI. I don't. You know. I mean, the the dog monsters at the end were what they were. But for the most part, you know, all of our. Uh, our henchmen characters, the the children of Thanos, they all looked good. The fight scenes all looked good. Uh, no major problems. There. The movie looks pretty. All right. Um, so here's what I didn't like about the movie. Some of this is structural. Some of this is personal. Um, I'll do the two personal things. I Thank really... you for at least acknowledging the difference. You're already better than 80% of the critics. <laughs> There are two personal things I didn't like about this movie. They really bothered me in particular, but they don't actually change anything about the movie, and there's nothing structurally wrong with them. Um, I would have preferred if they had shown him getting the Power Stone. I don't think they... I feel like they should have... It should have been Marvel logo, and then the and then Sanctuary 2 showing up uh, on Xandar, and having... And really letting the uh, the, the children of Thanos... And Thanos himself just laying waste to, to Xandar and and you know obliterating the Nova Corps and walking out with the Power Stone, um, then credits, then you know, then show them, um, you know, like kind of kind of open up with an hour ago, <laughs> and then you know do do the thing and then go now and then show Sanctuary two in front of um, the Asgardian Ark. And you know, then the movie can proceed. I really felt like it, I really felt like there was a missed opportunity to show uh, to, to kick the movie off with showing just how much of a badass Thanos is and how powerful the children of Thanos are. The, the Black Order. I actually would prefer to call them the Black Order as they are in the comics. The other thing is a deeply <laughs> well, that hurts when it's done to me. Um, <laughs> the other thing that really irked me, and this is a very personal thing, I. I understand these are Marvel people, so to say this might sound a little funny, but I feel like the people at Marvel still don't understand the Hulk. That's not the Hulk. No, the no, Hulk... they completely understand the Hulk. They No, they don't. That's not the Hulk. When you beat up the Hulk, the Hulk doesn't all of a sudden become a frightened baby and refuse to come out. The Hulk gets stronger and cracks a planet. I It annoyed the living shit out of me that they, that they decided of all the arcs they could have gone with with the Hulk, they went with that one. Let's make the Hulk a frightened child, you know. And I know that it, I'm okay. Hang on, I, he, no, I, I, hang I, on. I want to let me let me finish this, and then and then tell me I'm wrong. But I get that they're gonna they're gonna it's an arc, and they're gonna fix it in the third movie, and you know, and he'll he'll have his moment. I just of all these things they could have done with the Hulk, I like this the least. Go ahead. 
I think the pr- the big difference here, there's two th- there's two things that play into why I was generally okay with that. Three, one of which doesn't count. Uh, the one that doesn't count is that I knew it would annoy you. So yay. <laughs> <laughs> It's a very contentious um, podcast, two, isn't it, Alexis? They, two, they like I said, I'm keeping quiet here. <laughs> uh, two, they've specifically meant uh, worked on the Hulk's um, intellectual and emotional maturity level. They have set it around five. Right. And I get that. And three, the reason I was okay with it in this instance wasn't that he got beat up and then, you know, this wasn't a drawn-out fight. Like, this wasn't him and Thor, and he gets stronger as Thor keeps beating him. He's like, no, you got your ass kicked in, like, ten seconds. Like, th- this was not, I fight and I'm going to get stronger as this goes on. This was, I got you, and then, oh, no, I am utterly without power. He did to the Hulk what the Hulk did to Loki in the Avengers. Yes. And... There's a significant difference between a drawn-out fight where he's kind of losing and just keeps getting stronger and him getting steamrolled. It's not particularly consistent with the comics, which I understand we have Really? Really? You're going to bring up the source material? I knew you were going to start getting on the case about that. Anybody want to talk about the Mandarin? (laughs) Oh, God, no, no. You put the can of worms away now. (laughs) Look, I didn't hate that. For Look, the record. I, I I did start off with this was personal to me. We all know this is my favorite character. That's fine. And it's and I feel like Okay, taking let's let's assume you know nothing else about the Hulk. You've never read the comics. Let's let's go with that. This is a perfectly fine arc for that character, especially after what they established in Thor Ragnarok. I'm allowed to hate it because I'm That's, a fan yes, of the you Hulk. Are. Absolutely. Um, that's why I said this isn't a structural issue. Here's a structural issue. Here's a problem with the movie. If you didn't read Infinity or some of the other places where the Black Order uh, was introduced, how the fuck would you know any of their names or what they are or who, or what they can do or anything else about them? You have the they're only bad guys that work for Thanos, and they're tough. They- well, that's the thing. You don't. They're they're not just henchmen. They. I mean, Proxima Midnight. You know, there's a fair portion. Well, I of thought the movie. they were Jaegers when you first gave me their names. <laughs> Gyps- yes, <laughs> honestly, we could have. I could have just started calling them names of Jaegers, and it wouldn't have. And no one would have known the difference. Um, that's the thing. I'm and, not saying and, that's and, a bad thing. I, no, I, I feel like when you sit down to write a movie, uh, you know, and you structure a movie, and you and you create characters, you you have it. You have a choice you you make. You're either going to create create nameless faceless henchmen let's think about like like a like i just watched brooklyn 99 so die hard right you know most of the henchmen didn't really have like a personality in that movie they were just sort of there they were cannon fodder for john mcclain to beat up and shoot that's fine um they're not dead there aren't large swaths of the movie dedicated to them okay the only one where you kind of caught his name because thanos will refer to it later and has an awesome personality and deserves the amount of screen time that he got was Ebony Maw. But again, I say, if you don't know the names of the characters going into the movie, you won't get them in the movie. And I think that is... uh, That's sort of a disservice to the characters because they were a fairly big part of this movie. Again, 
You have the Maw, you know, Ebony Maw and Cull Obsidian that take up a good first part of the movie. You have Proxima Midnight and Corvus Glaive, and then Proxima Midnight and Cull Obsidian at the end. Um, you know, again, a lot of the movie is dedicated to what they're doing and what they can do. And I don't feel like there was any time really spent with getting to getting to know those characters. Um, a lot of the movie is 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 there to develop Thanos, which is fine. He is perfectly fleshed out, four dimensional character. Um, I just wasn't wild about how they handled the Black Order with the amount of time spent with them and them alone. You know, it's if he's the if that like on the arc. You have Thanos there. It kind of doesn't matter. They are just background henchmen. When they're the leads, you, I feel like you need more of them and you need to, you know, know that they're fucking, they've got names. At this point, it was, you know, they could have been, again, Gypsy, uh, Gypsy Marauder, Ham Sandwich, and Bob. You know, and what, and you can't tell me based on the movie, those aren't their names. Um, and the, the last thing that, uh, Oh, okay, yeah. The, the last thing that kind of bothered me about this was because of the way they set this movie up and because of the very plot of the movie, I don't feel like any of the deaths, save one, resonated with me. Um, I feel like the whole movie is undercut by the, by the fact that, A, we all know this is the first half of it. B, they created a MacGuffin that can undo it all as soon as they get it, and it's just a matter of how are they... So like, there's a more interesting story to be told with how are they going to get the MacGuffin than, you know, than what the MacGuffin did. So all of these deaths that happen, including the ones that weren't affected by, uh, by the gauntlet itself, you know, Nebula, Vision, and Loki, I'm like, meh. They'll just Gamora. get the... Ga- they'll just... Sorry, ga- ga- Gamora. They'll just get the gauntlet. You know, Thor will probably be, you know, be playing the role of Adam Warlock. He'll get the gauntlet, snap his fingers, and we're right back to where we started, which is exactly how the comic went. And I was like, okay, well, you know, it's just I got another wait a year for that to happen. Who, you know, so watching them all die and everything, you're supposed to have. I mean, just to give you a comparison, the most immediate comparison I can think of is the is uh, the Battle of the Five Armies, where uh, you know the dwarves are being annihilated one by one, and the girl in front of me is bursting into tears. You know, obviously those deaths were going to stick and they resonated. These deaths are not going to stick and don't resonate. And the only one that did was only because of the performance, and that's Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Oh, they, shut up. They, what? I'm allowed is, to have that. that I, really? That one got you? The, uh, yes. That one got, emotionally that one got manipulative. Oh, if you're not crying over this, you you have no, like, no. Okay, hang he on. He works in that sentence where emotionally manipulative. Okay, hang on. Can, I, I want to throw it to Alexa quick. Let me throw it to somebody on the panel with a soul. Go ahead, Alexis, because it apparently affected you too, not just sissy old me. It did, and I think part of that was the fact that Peter, I, I'm guessing through his spider sense, knew something was happening. I love that this happened with Tony, his mentor, the man who has looked after him, the man who has helped train him. You got to remember back to Spider-Man: Homecoming, where told after the the issue with the, or the take, trying to take down the Vulture on the ferry goes awry, Tony says something like, "If someone dies, it's on you. If you die, it's on me." And you realize that Tony, that it's Tony's watching this person that he has sw- pretty much sworn to look out for, you know, disappearing from 
from existence. And it is incredibly hard. Tony is someone who, he does care about a lot of people, but he's never really shown that emotion. Even when he's with Pepper, who he loves and he's marrying, he still keeps it very casual. I think this is one of the few times that we see something like that really affect Tony. He is he genuinely feels that loss, and I think we feel it with him. Yeah, I one who I thought it was incredibly well. That, yeah, I mean the fact that they also went out of their way to quote uh, Doctor Who. I don't uh, had nothing to do with it. Then I don't watch Doctor Who. Don't know what you're talking about. I don't I'm, either, but I know that line. I'm gonna finish my point. Um, so yeah, one it was well acted. Two, the relationship between uh, between uh, Spider Man and Iron Man. Um, I thought really came through in that, and that's partially why it resonated with me. But it also led to my favorite scene in the movie, which is Tony sitting there in the rubble of Titan with all of you know with all of these heroes having disappeared and died, and you could just see him immersed in survivor's guilt. You know, ten years yeah. of movies, Gen- you know, genuinely, of mo- genuinely great bit of acting from yeah. Now, let's do the opposite of that. Fucking Peter Quill. Oh, boy. Um, this, was, this was my Civil War... Andrew Graham, are you listening? This was my Civil War moment of the movie. We've almost got the, we've almost got the thing that gives him omnipotent power off of his hand. This can save everybody. It can stop the bad thing. Just chill out for like 30 seconds. Nope, I'm going to be a complete fucking asshole and punch Thanos in the face. Well, have you, have I, you not Star seen the Lord, last two Guardians of the Galaxy movies? I fucking like, Star give Lord up. Star Lord is a complete asshole. I give like, up with, uh, no, but the thing is, they did the same thing in Civil War, which I complained about, and I know that Andrew, that offline or rather off show, you, me, and Andrew Graham have beat this topic to death. Um, and, and Andrew did make a lot of you know salient points about the, you know the character of Tony Stark, but still, and and you could make those same salient points about about Star Lord. I just hate that that's a trope they keep going back to. It's one of you will act like a complete asshole, completely out of character, and divorced from the context of the moment. I'm sorry. If you're this bad of an asshole, I don't want to root for you anymore. You know? We've almost got the glove off the god. Fuck off. I'm going to do a deeply personal thing and punch him in the face. Ugh. God. You're old, such. It, well, let me be clear. This made more sense for Star Lord than it did for Tony in several respects. Okay, I still, I'm still allowed to hate it, and I'm still. You and are, I still, and I still think it's a drum they continually beat. It and is it's getting repetitive. And that's it, it, that is very true, and that's a very fair criticism of the overall structure. This makes sense for Star Lord because we just spent two movies two of the better movies in the entire MCU, mind you, with him try, kind of coming to the realization that his family is, these, is you know, a cybernetically enhanced raccoon, a talking tree, <laughs> Mantis, a guy with Asperger's syndrome, and Gamora. And he also literally just lost his both literal and metaphorical father. I mean, one right <laughs> after the other. Not to mention things were finally going good with Gamora just before uh, it all went bad. Yeah, things were. He was finally getting somewhere. Like, like she kissed him. That's that's a big step. It's it's just amazing to me that 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 a singular trope of a Marvel hero is not being able to see the big picture when the moment is most critical. Yep, but hey, they have they have have the formula that they have to follow. Um, Look, overall, I I enjoyed it. Saw it twice. 
I, I've kind of I've discussed some, some of my structural and personal gripes with the movie. Um, you know, it, it's not my favorite of the Marvel movies, but it's up there. It's probably top five. It's definitely not. It, Thanos is definitely the best villain. He sort of surpassed Loki in that. I loved Thanos in this and where he was coming from and how he was portrayed by Josh Brolin. Um, to, to I feel like he I feel like he's right up there with uh, with Loki and what's his face from um, Winter Soldier, uh, Robert Redford. Yeah, that All was right. an Academy Award worthy performance, in my opinion. He's not going to get it because it was like you know motion capture, but yeah, of course. If they would give it to yeah. Andy Serkis, they won't give it to Josh Brolin. Right. Yeah, but right. They, they owe him one. Um, before you, we, I, we, I turn it over to Alexis and David for their thoughts. Do you guys? I mean, Robert, because he he, he can't stop himself, interjected (laughs) when he had issues with anything I said. You got any bones to pick, you two? Uh, I can hold off for a second if if, uh, the other guy wants to go first. Uh, (laughs) Other guy? uh, I I was about to say the same thing, but... uh... But, um... I got a couple of things if you want to compose your thoughts. Um, I'm just trying to remember all that was said. Um... Isn't that well, the worst? well, I guess on the on the topic of um, not being faithful to the source material, which you know I get, but also it's not the first time they haven't been faithful to the source material. I don't really see Tom Holland's Spider-Man as being terribly similar to the, the comic Spider-Man. I I don't I maybe I, I misspoke on something, but no, I never problem with them not being faithful to the source material. First of all, oh, yeah, this okay, is a yeah, this is a mishmash of three different source materials at best, so I'm okay with that. I mean, Thanos isn't trying to wipe out all life in the universe because he has a crush on the Grim Reaper. Yeah, I'm okay with that, too, because if they had put that in the movie, that would have been way stupid. Yeah, I would have have appreciated the balls on them to do that. (laughs) It makes more... That's one of those things that makes sense within the... Within, you know, 50 years of comics continuity that you can't actually shoehorn into a film. It's fine. No, they also have not established in the living embodiment of death more or most of the celestial characters. So, no, that was never a problem for me. Um, what did but, I say? Uh, oh, they, right, yeah. Uh, did, so going back to your, um, sorry, uh, the the talk of the attack on Xandar. Yes. Uh, um, I, I see your point, um, but my, my only concern is, like, to jump right from that to the massacre of the Asgardian transport, it's kind of too much of the same. It's kind of like in the original Star Wars, where uh, in the original edit, Luke did four trench runs. You know, he did the one with the fighters, he did the one where... You know, he fires a torpedo and misses. He does the one. Then he was he uses the targeting computer, fires and misses, and then he uses the force. And it was just this is too much of the same thing. We need to cut one of these things out. Uh, like I think probably for the Xandar, if you wanted it in there, that would have been best to stick as an after credit scene in another movie. Just have like the smoking remains of the city and Thanos and uh, the Black uh, Guard, whatever they're called. I actually don't. That may have been the better way to yeah. have ended Ragnarok. Yeah, like, have him like walking out of the ruins and you know him holding up the gauntlet is like you know one down. Right. They couldn't have made jokes about it, Mark. <laughs> they, you know, honestly, now that you say that, it probably would have been better off as the last scene of Ragnarok rather than what they ran with, which was them running into Sanctuary too. If the, I think I would have liked if at the end of Ragnarok, if you're going to set it up like this. Whoa, was that me? Yeah, it seems so. Okay. What? I didn't hear anything. Uh, weird feedback. Don't worry. It, it seems to have resolved itself. Um, now, if I were doing the end of Thor Ragnarok, I mean, A, I would have shot myself for being affiliated with that movie. Yeah, for God's uh, sake. B, 
I think you do two mid you do two end credit scenes. You do one mid and then one end, both of which involve Thanos. The mid credit scene is him wrecking Xandar. You can you can do it briefly, and then the end. So I mean, it actually works. I think because you do the double fake out. Uh, they frequently will do. At the time, they were doing you know a mid credit scene pertaining to one thing, and then a actual end credit scene pertaining to something else. In fact, some of the end credits have been just stupid jokes. Like Stan Lee talking with uh, the be- <laughs> the, the watchers, watchers, or or uh, Captain America talking about patience. I, I was half expecting Deadpool to show up at the Oscar. It's like, yeah, so uh, Disney owns me now. Surprise! Uh, piss, on, <laughs> piss on Deadpool. Okay. Besides, that deal's not totally cemented yet. I don't think Disney and uh, Marvel really want to risk that quite yet. Yeah, we're not. We're not. Yeah. We're not we won't be there until next year. Um, okay. So, anything else, David? Anything else on on my comments on Xandar? Um, nothing else on Xandar. Um, yeah, uh, the floor is yours then, sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so, yeah, like, uh, yeah, like, like, the moment Black Panther died, I'm like, okay, he's coming back. They're, they are not burning that money. Oh, this, that, <laughs> that's why, that's why Spider-Man didn't resonate. Like, they've all, they've literally announced his sequel. Well, th- yeah, that I, was my problem with all the deaths, uh, uh, essentially, but, again, I'm not, I can't divorce myself from what I see on screen and how it makes me feel. Yeah, still, like the characters in the movie, they don't know they're going to fix it. Right. We do. Right. So, so like, you know, it's still, yeah, it's still kind of hard I to can, see. I, like, can, you I know, can comment Tony on the acting, which is witnessing the, his death. Uh, so I kind of wish acting, to, But yeah. I, I can't believe that, you know, anyone would have an emotional reaction to that when there's promotional material for Spider-Man 2 out there. Okay, hang on. Let me, let me quick defend that. I want to give Dave and Alexis an opportunity to to voice their opinions on my points and then make their own. But let me explain the difference. So, number one, um, again, killing Nebula didn't bother me. I saw that coming a mile away. Killing Vision didn't bother me. I keep doing that. Gamora didn't bother me. I saw that coming a mile away. Killing Vision didn't bother me. Saw that one coming, you know, um, as soon as he used the Time Stone. All the people disappearing into nothingness didn't resonate with me because of the way it was done on screen. And I'm talking, I'm talking in a, in a world where I can shut off my mind and know that there aren't going to be sequels. Okay, um, so to you know, to your point, Robert. So it's like, yeah, I, I get it. So I'm going to forget about that for just a minute. It's still the way it's captured on screen. People turning into dust didn't really do anything for me. The way they did Spider-Man's was different. There was a beat there. Now, you can discount that beat all you want because it doesn't resonate with you, but it resonated for me. That beat where there's a moment before he turns to dust where he's looking up and he's pale white and he's scared to death and he's holding on to Tony and says, I don't want to go. And Tony doesn't know, Tony, the know-it-all quip master, doesn't know what to do or to say, and he's just holding him, and then he turns to dust. And then the and then he sits up, the camera pans, there's a close-up of his hands clasped together, and he's sitting there immersed in survivor's guilt. That's why it resonates. Go ahead, David. Uh, I, uh, if I may, just right before he gets into that, yep, yep, I so. agree with the structure of that, I agree with your structural points. I wish they would have done it. I wish they would have done basically that same thing, also with Stephen Bucky, just personally. But that's just me. Yeah, right, well, ahead, it's, a bit, it's a bit different in terms of those characters because those are both soldiers who have kind of been through the stuff before. Like it's kind of always been set up that Captain America, he's seen plenty of friends die, so he knows how to emotionally process that, as opposed to Tony Stark, who who doesn't. 
I mean, it's still it's still great on him, but he knows how to process it and move on. And I also would have liked that as just again as a juxtaposition between those two personalities because well, that was kind of civil war. You know, like if if uh, the, I'm the woman in... could con- I'm just saying you could continue that here, and you could also give because uh, I don't want to get into why things work for me and why they don't because it really doesn't matter. Yeah, to the... yeah. but you know, like in civil war, you had the the thing where like you know Tony cannot handle the guilt of having someone die because of something he did and and wanting to basically push that off onto like the United Nations or you know someone I wish, else I want to abdicate responsibility please as, whereas you know like please save Rogers, the big government you know like that that's war like you know you got to make the tough decisions and sometimes you don't save everyone and it sucks but you know that's you, you got to that's that's part of the price you pay for doing the job and you know it's just two different characters with a very different outlook on it which is kind of what makes these films like the avengers work is you know it's more so like just this big party where you get to see all these characters just go and interact with each other and you get the little surprises of you know who gets along well who doesn't get along well why they get along well like you know like you know i, I never would have thought you know oh yeah the guy who's a cyborg and the guy who has an unhealthy obsession with collecting cyborg parts you know <laughs> You know, like what an idea, or that yeah, like Star Star Lord's all into the you know pop culture references, but so would uh, from the eighties. You know, yeah, from the eighties, and that would be like the nostalgia that you know Peter Parker would be watching. So you know, it's neat to see sort of how that all works. And uh, you know, like a, a lot of people give the Marvel movies crap for uh, their villains being weak, and I I think with this plus looking at uh, like Guardians Two, Black Panther, like it seems like they are working on addressing that issue where we are getting stronger villains yeah we'll see what happens nice. with Ant-Man and the Wasp um, all right. uh, yeah, da- um, last, last thought here if you don't mind um, sure. so, 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 so yeah we, we know that everyone's coming back except for Uncle Ben and uh, <laughs> so so it's that's not really what, what has me intrigued it's more the you know how are they going to do it it's, it's you know the journey not the destination that I'm more interested in and that's kind of always like how it is with superheroes. You know, you know they're going to beat the bad guy at the end. That's that's what you show up for. You want to see good triumph over evil against all odds. You know, and it could get pretty dark in the process. But you know, at the end, it's kind of you know, it's all right. We have saved the day again. Well, like I said, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I go back to, um, and I'm going to bring Alexis in after this for you know for bones to pick with me, um, and then I want to hear your independent thoughts. Uh, but. You know, when I when I think about the Battle of the Five Armies, is a really good example of this. Look, you know that everybody but but Gandalf and uh, and Bilbo uh, by the farm. However, boy, did those you know they handled the deaths really really well, and it didn't matter that you knew they were all going to die. It still it still sucks to watch on screen, and it, you know, and again. If if not you know if not you or me definitely other people were bawling their eyes out. They had spent three films with these people, uh, and, and it and it mattered when they died. I I'm having difficulty with that with this movie, with the exception of Spider Man. Um, uh, I just kept on thinking if only on, he had Mark. kept that chest plate. <laughs> you know, it's like you see Fair. him walking around half the movie wearing a full suit of the best armor dwarf money can buy. And then it's like, hey, we're having a battle now. I was like, well, forget this stuff. I'm going out in just my leather, you know. <laughs> I will fight the orc you know, in my underwear. After like Alexis I said, uh, okay, has her yeah. say, uh, come back to me with that same point. I have things I want to bring up to. I don't want to bring up about that because okay. I agree with you. All right, Alexis, bones, bones with my with my points. Well, I, I, 
I see where you guys are coming from, but this is where I'm coming from with the depths of the characters. I mean, yes, if you've been keeping up with the uh, movie news and everything, you know these guys are coming back. You know that Spider-Man's got a sequel. You know that the Guardians have sequels. They haven't announced sequels yet for Black Panther, Doctor Strange, everything. But again, you guys, as you guys said, they're not burning that money. You know they're going to come back. But I was thinking about how you were comparing it to other movies that end with cliffhangers, and something kind of resonated with me. Uh, I'm going to bring in an example of one of the greatest movie cliffhangers of all time, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, you know, we get the re revelation about Luke's father, Han is frozen, Carmen is taken off, and they say, you know, we're going to go find him, we're going to get this taken care of. This is a movie that ends in a cliffhanger, but if you haven't been keeping up with movie news, if you don't know that these guys are going to have future movies, there really doesn't seem to be a modicum of hope. We don't have a moment where the guard, where all the, the remaining Avengers come back and say, we're going to find a way to fix this. We're going to make this. We're going to find this. We're going to get the stones. We're going to get the gun. It just shows them. If I may. Wakanda. Go if, ahead. I, if I may, you are 110% right. You actually reminded me of a, of a point that I wanted to make. At the end of this, I was like, wow, this reminds me of The Last Jedi. I have no idea where this is going. I have no idea what they're going to do next. I mean, obviously, I have some inkling. They're going to win. Big Empire, small rebellion with like a Jedi with a blue lightsaber, possibly <laughs> a super weapon. Um, but I remember thinking at the end of The Last Jedi, wow, they tied up all the loose ends neatly in the second movie with leaving nowhere else to go. Um, and, and they can go in any direction they want. This is pretty interesting. Um, and that's how I felt at the end of this one, where it was like, well, I have no idea what the hell they're going to do next. I'll see you in a year. It was. I felt. I left leaving exactly as I did with the Last Jedi. Yeah, like I said, you, we don't see the regrouping. We see the look on the Wakanda. Like, oh my god, that scene where uh, T'Challa goes to help. I, I seriously cannot pronounce. Remember how her Okoye. name? Okoye. He goes. He goes up to help Okoye, and he disappears, and she's just standing there with that look on her face. Like I had one horror. job. <laughs> hey, Denai yeah. Guerrero is really good. She is. She's yeah. like she's like the I, only not... decent thing about uh, The Walking Dead recently, apart from Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Um, I actually don't watch Walking Dead, but yes, yeah, you're not at this point. You're not missing anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like my zombie shows to actually revolve around zombies. <laughs> not, 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 not a big zombie person, but hey, you zombie fans, have your have fun. But yeah, like I said, there it just Thanos is the only one at peace and. That's actually something I love because that was in the book. Yes. Uh, that Thanos is not megalom megalom. I can never pronounce that. Word. Megalomaniacal. Yes, he's not that. He's not doing this out of malice. He's not saying, you know, I'll get rid of half the universe and then I'll rule over the other half. He says that he's not saying, you know, it's going to be just the rich or just my supporters or just my people. No, he he said rich, poor, old, young, sick, healthy. Half's going to disappear. And then and they go and Tony goes well. What are you going to do? Then he goes. Then I'm going to rest. And those who actually have read Infinity Gauntlet, at the end, uh, he go he becomes a farmer. Right. Yeah. So he, he he gets a he gets a planet. He goes to a planet and he just starts a little farm and he's he's retired. He's relaxing and that's part of the things I love so much about Thanos's character is that this is not evil in the in the broad spectrum of what we've seen as evil. Villains. This is not someone like Loki or Hela who's trying to rule over all. This is not someone like Ego who, well, 
has a giant ego. <laughs> you know, this is not Vulture who's doing this for money. This is someone who really believes this is his destiny and he is doing what has to be done. And for the record, Mark, you and I uh, talked about this a little on Facebook. There are a lot of theories about overpopulation. There's been a lot of fear that we as a, as a species are outgrowing the planet. So th this talk about, you know, where there's only finite resource, and everything, it's not unheard of. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, he did the right thing, but it's something that you we've heard discussed before. Oh, geez. Yeah. I would love to touch on that briefly because it was so thoroughly debunked by reality. <laughs> well, where I'm gonna and there was I, that no 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 the, not a joke. There was a so about the professor. wizards. Hang on, <laughs> there was a Stanford professor in the '60s who postulated that half the population of the world would be starving by the mid '80s. I forget this gentleman's yeah. name. Uh, that, yeah, that it, article on the website. Yeah. yeah, and it turns out that no. It, the the raw math of it does not take into account uh, the reality of human ingenuity, and I mean th there's a there's a joke running around that you know you could have avoided this entire movie if somebody had sat down with Thanos and explained all of the unknowables that go into the math that he's looking at. So as far as uh, structure of this podcast, I'm letting you go dead last with all of your thoughts because I know you have a lot of them, but I but I I want I want to make sure that our guests get time so. Um, I, I will be quiet from now on. Thank you. <laughs> Go ahead, Alexis. Well, like I said, like I said, I've talked about Thanos and I've talked about my theory, my beliefs on the ending. Um, and th there's one part that uh, I'm kind of surprised no one's really talked about, and that's the whole Doctor Strange looks into the future thing. Because the, the minute we got out of the theater, we went to dinner and we're sitting at a table, and I'm sitting there going, I don't care who the hell is sitting around me if they haven't seen the movie i am not abstaining from spoilers cover your ears people because <laughs> obviously we want to talk about it and we kept talking about the whole dr strange yeah you said doctor when they get to titan dr strange goes into this trance uh, like thing and i love mantis is like does he always do that <laughs> and when they break him out of it he said i use the time stone and i looked into the future to see any possible way this comes out and i've looked it was like 14 million 605 <laughs> Okay, there was a number. And he Tony is goes, really good at counting. That was actually I was kind of And Tony goes, uh, "How many of those do we win?" And Star and Strange goes, "One." And that's the thing is that you have to think about what how everything has gone into the planning of that one outcome, and the fact that what did it for Strange? It wasn't that Star Lord lost his head. It wasn't you know also. It was when he stabbed Tony, and he said, "Spare him." And I'll give you the stone. And I love it because you have to sit and realize that means that whatever this one plan is that he saw, Tony is crucial for it. That's the only way they're going to win in the long run is if Tony survives. And I, I always figured that possibly Thanos getting the time stone might also set in motion the chain of events that could lead to to them fixing the, the problem. I'm glad you brought it up. I'm, I didn't mention it, but it was one of the list of things that really undercut the tension of the movie for me. Once he, you know, once he gave him the time stone, like, I was, look, I was absolutely curious to see how it was going to end, but I, but I already knew kind of what the big reveal was going to, what is going to end up being, and that is Doctor Strange knew how, the, how things needed to go, and he just needed to let them play out. 
which again to me just erases a lot of the tension you know I, I compared this movie to some of the other ones that I talked about Matrix Star Wars Lord of the Rings etc um, most of those do a really good job of maintaining that tension this did a shit job of it yeah, like I would say, like, there's not tension. It's just more curiosity. Like, you know, how is this going to play out? You know, how are they going to do this? How does giving Thanos the Time Stone mm-hmm. results, which which was like the key to him getting the Mind Stone? You know, how does that all pan out with, you know, everything being restored to normal or whatever the next status quo is for Phase Five or? however many phases we're at now and that's interesting so i'm 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 peaked my interest is peaked but yeah like i'm not going oh no like you know this is this changes everything it's just like oh wow i wonder how they're going to get out of this because i don't know um anything else alexis um as far as bones to pick because if not i want to go i want to defer back to you guys just general thoughts on the movie if you haven't already said them there is actually one thing, and it's a minor thing, but this is actually something I want to see in the next Avengers movie, the, the sequel that's going to be out May next year. In the post credit scene, we see uh, Maria and uh, Nick Fury driving, we see the cars crashing and the helicopters coming down because half of, all pe- half of everyone's gone out of existence, and that's actually something I want to see more of. I want to see just how everything goes into chaos when you have pilots who have suddenly vanished and no one can lay in the plane. Oh, they pretty much land themselves now. Shh, it's a secret they don't want you to know. Well, I I just want (laughs) to... I want to see some more of that that chaos of what happens to just your basic everyday society when something like that happens, and they have absolutely no idea what's going on. Yeah, Yeah, I I hope they... I see a scene in the movie with that. I hope they deal with that, too. Um, All right, David... Uh, I you know I limited I tried to limit you guys to you know just bones you had with my uh, with the points that I brought up any independent thoughts you have of your own things things you wanted to say issues you wanted to bring up okay um, I think most of it's already been covered but uh, but yeah I, I think most of like most of this movie all comes down to the payoff with Thanos like Josh Brolin fantastic job worth the wait. Like, like, if if he had not been a compelling villain, like it would have all collapsed. Oh yeah. So I like real, real props to the writers, to to the performance. You know, like it, it just worked, and it was it was super fantastic. And even though you said that the scene where he decides to kill Gamora was overdrawn, like that was a really important character moment. Like this is us realizing that he's not just a monster. This is hurting him to do this. You know, he does not want to kill Gamora. He loves her, and even you know, even she does not realize that he loves her. And just him sort of going, you know, this is what I have to do. And we even get the moment at the end where he goes into the the dream realm or whatever you call it when he when he finally does snap his fingers. And you know, like she asks him, you know, like, did you do it? And he's like, yes. What did it cost you? Everything. And you know that that really kind of cements that character as being a lot more interesting. And uh, you know, like otherwise, yeah, like it's like I say, it's just really neat to see all these characters come together and riff on each other and how they react to each other. You know, again, it's it's, it's a big party. Uh, there was more of substance thanks to the Thanos character work in this film than I would expect from an Avengers movie. Because let's face it, the first Avengers was basically, hey, everyone's here and isn't working together great, <laughs> which is fine. You know? The first Avengers film isn't a movie. 
I mean, no. Mark and I have had it this discussion. It, it is a party on screen, but you know what? You do like five <laughs> movies of very different heroes, some of them pretty darn crazy. Like, imagine at the time, okay, guy in robot suit, that's pretty normal, a literal god of thunder speaking in Shakespearean dialogue, um, guy who goes around the world literally wearing the flag of America and beating people up. You're like, like this was crazy stuff that no no movie producer in their right mind would say yes to and they nailed it on each one you know you do that you get to throw a party you get to have some fun and to keep doing that for 10 years like we have seen numerous cinematic universes rise and fall okay well one rise and fall the two strangled in the crib and we're probably going to see another one soon when venom comes out <laughs> uh sony just 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 stop like agreed at least with Warner Brothers, you can you can do the forensics. You can see the chain of decisions that seemed like a good idea at the time that led to the mess that was the DCEU. Sony, it's like, go home, man. You're drunk. Like, I, I don't even know what you were thinking in the first place. Yeah, I yeah. saw the Venom trailer, and all I could think was some Sony executive basically has a stick that says, this is popular, and they're just hitting us over the head with it. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking that, and uh, cash that check, Tom Hardy. Cash that check. Yeah. yeah and absent yeah, Tom with... Hardy, I have no interest in that movie. Absolutely yeah. none. Was, it wasn't I, I so much a Tom... bad trailer. It was just boring. Like, it was just kind of like, eh, okay, that's that's a movie. Sorry, Alexis, go go ahead. Oh, I was just going to add, it's like, you know what? I do love Tom Hardy. I've loved him in a lot of movies. Where the hell was his vocal coach going with that piece of shit New York accent? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Same one who told the chick to pronounce him symbiotes. Oh, don't even get me started. Oh, that, that, is a, that is a gold mine right there. We are never going to let them forget that. Never. Unless the actress had a speech impediment, in which case I am so sorry. Nah, I'm going with it anyway. Alexis, yeah. uh, things left unsaid, points you want to bring up? Wow, we were just going from symbiotes, and now i got to do a sharp U-turn back. <laughs> it's tough, isn't it? Yeah. A lot of deer in the headlights on this show. Um, I, I will say that I'm actually looking forward to Ant-Man and Wasp coming out later because everyone's been joking. It's like, well, where was Ant-Man and Wasp? And I'm really interested to see how they're going to tie that in. I'm predicting a, a scene at the end or a post credit scene where Hank Pym or someone starts to disintegrate or whatever. But I, I am looking forward to see how they're going to tie that in because it, it has been confirmed that Ant-Man and Wasp will be in the next Avengers movie. Well, they're kind of um, running out of Avengers. Yeah, and I'm also just going to add, I freaking loved that post-credits scene. The thing to contact Captain Marvel, it was a pager. Yep. A little <laughs> 1990s. 90s pager. pager. That yeah, was, uh, so I think Captain Marvel is like a you know, happened in the past type movie. Yeah, it's happened yeah, yeah, they've, they've in the 90s. They're setting it in the 90s. Yeah. yeah. So brace yourselves for all that sweet 90s nostalgia, everyone. Yeah, everyone bring out your flannels. Speaking of flannels, <laughs> go ahead, Winfrey. I've, I've kept you in the box. I'm letting you, out of the, I'm letting you out of the closet, Winfrey. Come out of the closet, Winfrey. Say what you got to say. Uh, I mean, I could. Uh, you know what? No. I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm not going to rise to that particular bait. Um... There's a couple of things I really liked about this movie. I really liked the music, uh, and I, I keep making notes about ver about you know different scores that I want to touch on when we review these things, and I tend to forget. But I 
did want to go out of my way to bring that up. Um, especially the final bit. Um, everything after he gets the time stone. So his arrival in Wakanda to his eventual success was really great uh, stuff from Alan Silvestri. I really liked... Um, this might sound a little... For those of you who only think that I hate fun, and I know who you are, by the way, I liked the humor in this movie because of how they structured it. They didn't make jokes as things went to hell. A lot of their... A lot of their jokes were before they realized the... Ex- like, Tony's making some wise-ass jokes about, you know, swearing off dairy and whatnot because he hasn't yet realized the scope of what he's facing. The Avengers are, you know, bickering about Thor being a beautiful human being, and Chris Hemsworth is a very attractive man. Damn straight. Because, th- because they haven't yet been told, hey, Thanos has two stones and is and just, you know, on the warpath. The jokes kind of die out after that. Yeah, they're they're they, restrained. Yeah, they don't go away, but they don't yeah. well, step you need to, on anything. You need to let the audience breathe a little bit too. Um, lo- really like Josh Brolin's work as Thanos. Uh, there were a couple of points when I wasn't in love with the CGI, but I can't remember them specifically. But they were few and far between. Better than Black Panther. Much. Especially the uh, never mind. <laughs> Get into that what's later. The, wait, wait. What's with the Black Panther hate? I thought that was an amazing. Oh, oh no! Like uh, the okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me let me uh, enjoyed the movie. The final fight scene between uh, T'Challa and Killmonger in the dark of the train station with their Black Panther suits looked awful. Yeah, we talked about that. It was just uh, me. There was just. I didn't hear, listen to that show, so I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah. Neither did anyone that, else. But, uh, oh, shut yeah, up. My, my, my issue is, uh, <laughs> and it's not a huge issue. It's just, yeah, you could definitely tell there were scenes where it's like, okay, that's the person. Oh, okay, now they're CG uh, body double. Oh, and we're back to the actor again. It's just the comp, the compositing for some of those scenes was yeah, uh, obvious. I mean, to... you know, it's it's a couple of seconds and it's over, and I can suspend my disbelief enough to go like, okay, you know, we're we're back into it. Yeah. yeah it... It's clear where the budget on Black Panther went. It was to create a very, an incredibly believable, you know, setting, rather than, you know, the actual CGI for their yeah. giant rhino. Yeah, they they shaved it where they probably should have shaved it, uh, which is fair as well. Um, hang on, I had a couple of more things here. Oh, as far as things I don't like, um. I wanted... uh, This is going to sound really weird, so let me explain. I wanted more death. Um, (laughs) There's not enough death in this movie for me, partially because I'm a bloodthirsty human being. Obviously. Mostly because... So half of all sentient life in the universe is not enough. Okay, we've established a low... Hang on, hang on. I also feel he should have wiped out... When he he said he was going to wipe out half of all life, I really wanted, like, half of the plant life to go, too. Like, let's just... Just because I'm weird like that. Yeah. I wanted him to kill at least two more of them before he got the stones together. That would have given those deaths more weight. The fact that so many... I mean, again, he he only kills three people in this up until he gets the gauntlet together. He stabs Heimdall, he breaks Loki's neck, and he throws Gamora off a cliff. Yeah, That's the kills, sum total of it. Well, he kills the Vision. Yeah, but he kills Vision. Vision really count. 
I, I hate to say it, actually. I thought that that scene of him cracking Vision's skull, for lack of better terms, and just kind of throwing it away like a piece of crumpled nut, that was haunting to me, just because it's like, we knew he was going to get the stone out, but just, like, crunch. Yeah. Ouch. And then the fact that he... The, the coloration changes to Vision when he's alive versus when he's dead. Voila, mm-hmm. Via Optimus Prime. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. That, again, that brought back some memories. <laughs> Um, I, again, I just wanted him to kill a couple more personally before getting to that point because when everyone's just disintegrating and half of them, you know, have sequels coming, it, it really removes a lot of it. That's one of the things that I, as far as handling their deaths, if he just breaks Spider-Man's neck, I mean, sure, there's still a sequel coming and we all know there's a sequel coming. Or... Yeah, or Star-Lord. You know, if Star-Lord loses it at the wrong... You know, he winds up breaking from the plan even further and charging in at the wrong moment and Thanos collapses his skull with a punch. Like, I just had to ask, I, uh, uh, Mark, did I you mean, go and see this with your kids? No, um, I meant to take them. They both wanted to go. Um, ran out of time on the weekend, and then by the time... And, then at, this, and at this point, after having seen it twice... And knowing that my daughter and I ugly cried through Coco, I'm thinking I'll probably wait till this comes on uh, on yeah. TV at home. Yeah, I'm just kind of wondering about how, uh, how how the parents will be explaining to their kids that no, it's okay. Like they're not actually going to stay dead. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Robert. Go ahead. No, no, that's okay. I don't mind minor divergences. Um. I have anything else? Oh, yes, I had two other things. I like that they made Thor a badass, finally. I mean, it, it only took him, what, five movies featuring the character to finally get it right? Yeah. <laughs> but I could kill you, only if I die. Yeah, that's good I, stuff. Yeah, there's some of that, but there's it's not just that. It's also, you know, this is not the guy who struggled fighting Iron Man. I mean, this is... When he charges the ranks of you know the Outriders, wielding Stormbreaker, bellowing out, "Bring me Thanos!" Like, yeah, finally he got his balls. <laughs> Actually, uh, speaking of, I hate to say, but speak, you know, we're talking about all the deaths and everything. That does bring one question: we know pretty certain which characters are probably going to be brought back. Uh, what do you guys think about Loki? Do you think he's gone for good? I hope no. so. Nope. He won't be, but I hope so. Oh, because that's the other. Thanos oh, says, Thanos does say after he kills me, he says no resurrections this time. I, I would uh, handle I that differently. I think it's a red herring. I think it's a reference to like at the end of Thor when he like floats off into space into the wormhole, and then he appears next time working for Thanos. That or, assumingly you know, Thanos scooped him up and he, fixed him up, and he gets you know stabbed through the heart in Dark World, and then shows up on the throne of Asgard. Yeah, I just I look. I think they did the, the best job they could, and your mileage may vary I, with how that is I, with trying I, to make it look like no one, nobody is coming back. But yeah, I think I, that's the thing. If they're if they're true to the book, kind of like a comic book, to be honest. Weird. <laughs> if they well, if they're true to the book, like I said before, Thor plays the role of Adam Warlock, gets the gauntlet, snaps his fingers. We go back to where we started. With I don't know. The gauntlet looked pretty wrecked after Thanos snapped his fingers the first time. I tell you what, <laughs> I. I I was kind of wondering about that. Why if did only they had access? Like it's been through hell. Well, here's here was my thought. There, 
one of two things happened with that gauntlet. It's either wrecked and the gems don't work anymore, in which case that's a brave choice. Now I'm really interested in how they fix this. I hope they they won't do that, but I wish they would. Or it's like Dragon Ball. Make your or, wish, and then they all fly away. The gauntlet, <laughs> it's, the gauntlet itself is fried, but the gems all still work. And theoretically, anyone that you know, anyone that's that's got the that's got the gauntlet itself will still be able to use it. It just looks, you know, it just looks haggard. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they could, could make be, another one. They yeah, could. They, they do still have, have the mold. Uh, yeah, assuming Peter Dinklage didn't die, and I mean, considering he that you know he su- he survived seven seasons of Game of Thrones, his odds are looking pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> waka waka. All the. Uh, yeah, I I imagine that it's just the nature of the amount of power expended to do that w- did serious, serious damage to the housing. Um, oh, ah, I have to say this again, because this is another thing that bothered me, and this is purely personal. I, c- I complained a couple of weeks ago about a movie killing someone I wanted to see die off camera. They did the same thing here. If the Black Order has destroyed the Asgardian ships. They killed Korg, and I didn't get to watch that rocky waste of space actually be turned into a pile of gra- of gravel. This is a very actually, angry... it's been confirmed. It hasn't been confirmed about Korg, but it was confirmed by Joe Russo that they only killed half the people on that ship. Half the others got away. Yeah. I don't know about Korg, but supposedly... I, I, I want him dead. I just want Korg dead. Such an angry And I podcast. don't want him to come back. And Taika Waititi somewhere sheds a tear and has no idea why. I, dude, if I could make him, if I could make him never make another movie through like forced dehydration through his eyes just by saying mean things about him, I would do it. I like Thor Ragnarok. I actually watch that all the time when I'm working. It's one of my favorite background movies. If you're uh, if you're using it as nothing but background noise, I can see why it works. As someone who had, uh, I just I hated watching it. Look, it, uh, I, I'm with. Don't let this bully, okay, tell you you shouldn't enjoy something, oh, Alexis. No, I'm, I, I'm with you, you Alexis. Did just suggest that you wanted to actually make someone cry to death. I didn't say death. <laughs> I said I just wanted it to be a big enough problem to where he can't make movies. I just look. I just want to assure Alexis, I'm with you. I enjoyed Thor Ragnarok. So did most normal people. If you enjoyed it, fine. I'm not knocking you for enjoying it. Sure, you are. No, I'm knocking <laughs> the movie. All if right. you li- look, I-, I have st- I have stood up here and said plenty of times there are terrible movies that I deeply enjoy. What else? If you, you enjoy ha- it, Godspeed and party on. Don't defend the movie. Hey, how about commenting on the movie we're reviewing then? <laughs> what else you got for me? Uh, apart from wanting to see Korg ground into dust, I, I don't even want—I didn't even want Thanos to do it. I—I I wanted like Cull Obsidian to do it, just because. Hey, nameless, faceless, like <laughs> kind of grunt from Thanos is, just runs him over. Oh, there's a really nice scene between Rocket and uh, Thor on the pod. Yes, that, that was probably Bradley Cooper's best performance ever in his entire career. Time to be the captain. Uh, the Silver Linings Playbook disagrees with that assertion, but. Celevi. Never saw it. Not enough explosions. I know. Believe Force me, I know. Yep. But the fact that that whole scene, and it's just the one scene, basically gives the finger to Ragnarok in terms of, oh, look, you made all these jokes while all these terrible things happened. Now let's actually handle that with the emotional weight it deserves. <laughs> uh, 
uh, yeah, just Thor listing all the things that he's lost. And you, it's also nice when you when it, that's a great moment for the audience to kind of realize, no, this guy's got nothing. <laughs> like he has lost so so much to this point, and to and again the fact that we handle this without stupid jokes. I mean, you have Rocket making kind of a smart ass comment, but that's also after the moment and it's totally in character with Rocket then him asking for the metal arm yes yes. after he and Bucky mow down all the guys how ah, much for the gun it's not for sale how much for the arm just kind of looks at him oh I'm going to get that arm <laughs> there's actually there, there's a famous Comic Con artist I can't remember who it is but they have this picture they, they've had it up since Guardians of the Galaxy came out of Bucky as Winter Soldier and Rocket hanging off it and it's got a caption under it, I need the arm. <laughs> it's like, yep, so it's like we knew it was going to happen. And I did really enjoy it. So I was like, yeah, you knew he was going to say that. So. I don't know. I, I was parcel to... Uh, that also... This, here's my friend Tree. Hang on. I, two things, because it just reminded me of something else I really loved about this movie. But the, here's my friend Tree. I am Groot. I am Steve Rogers. Um, <laughs> I had a good laugh at that, but I think my favorite well, makes sense. My favorite line, as far as the humor goes in this movie, is "more power tree," which reminds me, rabbit. Sm- uh, sorry, more, more power rabbit. I'm doing bad with this tonight. More power rabbit. <laughs> um, so real quick, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna play. Th- I know that you're, you're not totally done yet, but I'm gonna. I have to do a Robert Winfrey thing. I have to be Mister Wizard for a moment. By all means. But this got brought up actually in one of the Avengers films where it's where none of them look like they're wearing comms, yet they can all talk to each other at disparate places around the battlefield. I was okay with that. I assumed they were wearing very, very small comms. Here's my problem with Avengers Infinity War. That whole scene at Ninevalier, how the fuck is Thor talking to uh to Peter Dinklage? Neither one of them Do is wearing want... Hang on, hang on. Do you want the actual answer? They're talking through space, and more to the point is then how is he talking there to Rocket on the answer. ship? There it, is a literal answer to this. It's uh, magic, bitch? No, <laughs> sort of. But well, well said, Alexis. Well said. <laughs> sort of, but, but no. Thor is not just the god of thunder at this point. He's king of Asgard. He is the he, he taps into, at this point, it would be the Thor force. I mean, he is... Uh, uh, the ruler of Asgard, and since they went out of their way to establish that it's a people, not a place, has access to this, to the limitless life energy of the universe. That's why Odin was so powerful. I think it was just an Thor- oversight. I think it was just an oversight on the Russo brothers. It's fine that you're explaining it in your sciency way, but I'm pretty sure it's just we just need these characters to talk to each other, despite the fact they're in the middle of fucking space. Fa- again. Does anyone have anyone no heard of? With, uh, uh, look, Rocket, I mean, look, Rocket oh, and Peter Dinklage have comms, and Thor is they like, don't. Again, has a, why would Dinklage sure have a comm? Because Rocket has them. Was it, show me the scene where they handed out radios. They didn't. They didn't what have a scene with it. You, you want to pretend that Rocket Raccoon is not carrying an assortment of gadgets designed to ensure communication if they don't look it's just like do, it's just like documenting in the medical field if you don't document it didn't happen you don't show in the movie it didn't happen I'm just, just thinking of uh, when uh, the, the, the actor that plays uh, Sam in uh, Game of Thrones someone was someone like goes up to him and says like you know, so you did all that walking around up north of the wall 
and you're still fat. And he's like, we have dragons and ice zombies in this show, and the thing you can't believe is I'm still fat. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, we just I... saw a man fly around a what is apparently supposed to be a sun and move a bunch of rings together while being talked at by a giant dwarf so that he can make a magic space hammer to kill a giant purple guy with I'm a glove okay. that kills people. Right, I'm okay rock. with all of that. I'm not okay with talking through space. There's no air in space. Again, Thor, is, Thor now has that. Because he is, again, he oh, no, is no, I'm now... okay with him existing in space. He's a god. And he has the Odin Force, now the Thor Force. I'm not okay yes. with him talking in space. It's, that makes no, no sense. It allows him to talk in space. No, it doesn't. Thor works in mysterious ways. There we go. always allowed Odin to talk in space. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I'm getting very, very close to renaming this network the, neck, the Neckbeard in, um, in Broadcasting Network. Because every podcast is now being descending into Neckbeard conversations, this being one of them. You're welcome. Finish your points. I'm not ready to just. I would say I'm not ready to channel Lucy. You keep letting me on the show. A wizard did it. <laughs> a wizard? Would you say a wizard there did are it? Literal wizards. Well, you got, I hope you guys get the reference. Oh no, I got it. I oh, got it. I'm oh yes. You. Ten points. Thank Win free. <laughs> Finish up. Um. All right. Let's see, I had a few negatives. I'm trying to remember if they. We've. I think we've touched on them already. Um. No, I think that's about it for me. If if something triggers my memory for another point later on in the show, I might circle back to something. But other than that... Right. Alexis, any final words on the movie itself before we move into the second part of our show? Um, I think we covered most of it. Like I said, I brought up the whole idea of the ending. The I, I did want to yeah, I did want to ask you guys about Loki. Glad we got a chance to do that. Oh, that was it. Hang on. I, I, I had a different way I wanted to... I would have done that if I were the one scripting this. Have it play out exactly the same way that it does. You know, he breaks Loki's neck. Then instead of his you know stupid li- his line about no more resurrections, he just reaches into what seems to be empty space, pulls the real Loki from said empty space, and crushes his neck again. Oh, right. actually, I, I, I think that could have been good since Loki has been known to use... Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. we're dealing with a guy who has faked his death on multiple occasions. You can't just... You can't just have Thanos say, "Well, I, I got the real one this time." They're like, have him deli- have him deliberately not fall for the trick. Um, and I, wanna, I think it works better. That I want to play a game real quick. The, the last question, and then we're we're going to move on to the money. I want to play a game. Um, everybody has to participate. Here are the rules: name the next Avengers movie using what you what you think is the next Avengers movie using. Uh, pre-established title. So, in other words, here's an example, not my personal choice, but Avengers Secret Wars. Okay? Um, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to start with you first, Winfrey. What Name the next Avengers uh, movie using a pre-established title. Wait, what kind of pre-established title? I just gave you an example. Uh, I'm curious as to what pool you're drawing from. Anything from Marvel. Anything, any event from Marvel Comics. Um, so theoretically, you could go Avengers. Oh, oh, I've, got, you know. I've got one that'll tweak everyone's nipples. I, I love it. Go. Avengers One More Day. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> Told you. Get him, Alexis. All right. You used up your, you used up your turn. I'm going to go to Alexis next. Alexis, name the next Avengers movie. Um, 
I am leaning towards. I'm honestly leaning towards Avengers Disassemble. That that was a combo where they brought they started to bring in some of the new characters. So I'm leaning towards that one. If by the fourth yeah, movie, Benjamin's going to send me so much hate mail for that. <laughs> Uh, that would be an interesting one. I mean, I don't know how they would adapt it, considering the whole plot of that one is the Scarlet Witch done lost her mind, and she's dead. I thought that was House of M, where she lost her mind. She loses her mind a lot. Um, so much. She's so point. unstable. Yeah, the, the Avengers Disassembled was essentially like an ECW opening tag team medley of everything the Avengers have ever done, and at the end of it, it was the Scarlet Witch did it. I Sean's mean, like, she might go mad if you saw something really traumatizing, like having her boyfriend's brain ripped out. She's dead! Yeah, she, she, de- <laughs> she died. She disintegrated. <laughs> oh, nuts. I'm well, sorry, what? That's how much I cared about her performance. I'm sorry, all of, us, all, all of us man-spreading men talked over you. What were you saying, Alexis? Oh, when you mentioned the ECW, I just said, uh, you know, Sean's not here to translate that for me. Oh, um, they opened up every pay-per-view with a series of tag team matches that descended into nine other tag teams coming out with their music, and and you know it be- became known as the ECW opening medley. Gotcha. Uh, David, name that Avengers movie. First of all, what the heck's man spreading? <laughs> oh, it's. <laughs> this, this, this podcast just just got really really uh, different there. Um. <laughs> trying to trying to bring more millennial stuff into this. We we tend to be Mark. an old stodgy podcast. I want to I want to hip it up a bit. Don't. There's nothing about. <laughs> let me rephrase that. Eighty five percent of millennial culture, such as it exists, deserves to be left by the wayside. Of course, I know. Has damn millennials walked around like we rent the place? Of course it is. Anyway, stop manspreading and stop mansplaining. Name that Avengers movie. Seriously, okay. don't ever bring those terms up again, Mark. <laughs> I will fly down there and punch you in the nose. I don't know. Next fight commentary, that might be a useful phrase to use. <laughs> okay, um, so so I'm going to go with, and this is, this is how you do a segue, by the way, everyone. Avengers Infinity Money. <laughs> It's not Would really that be playing. Avengers: The Quest for More Money? Yes, there you go. That's Spaceballs Two. You're thinking of. <laughs> All right, not really, but not really. The rules are established for this game, but that's fine. By the way, <laughs> I saw a Star Wars money. cheese board in a store. Can we, can we just say that Mel Brooks totally called it? Yeah, of course he did. <laughs> Um, all right. So in another I, 20 years, he'll have been more right about everything than we ever wanted to give him credit for. Yeah, between Mel Brooks and The Simpsons, they really did predict 50 years of American pop culture and history. All right, so I'm going to name two because because David broke the rules and the one Robert came up with was terrible. Um, so, hey, mine, I, look, let me be clear. I don't know enough about the various events in the comic books to draw from. Uh, that, that's not a well of knowledge I have. Mm-hmm. So I I deliberately pulled from one that I just I just knew would annoy people. Right. Maybe we could go with the Clone Wars. Would that work? <laughs> no, it's going to be Avengers: The Desolation of Schmaug. Um, anyway, yeah, there's a Clone Saga in Spider Man. <laughs> there is. There you go. Avengers into the Spider Verse. Um, all right. So the two I think they're going to go with. Uh, both of these are based on things I've read. These are things I've surmised. Uh, things I've hoped for. A combination of all three. All right. Uh, first nominee is Avengers Secret War. Um, I, I, I don't know if they're going to bring the Beyonder into this. I think that's a lot to ask for. But I do think that 
uh, the you know, the concept of getting off planet and dealing with Thanos is probably something they're going to have to deal with, especially with Captain Marvel being in the movie. Um, and I know the next chapter of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to be a lot more celestial uh, than it has been. So I'm thinking um, cosmic. I'm thinking uh, Secret Wars might not be a bad one to go with, to, you know, to, to launch that. The other idea I had, and this one I read from uh, Comic Book Resources, um, the only, you know, the only way that this is ever going to work is if they use time travel. There's been discussions Avengers that in time, uh, they're <laughs> close, close, because because I, I know you suggested that, but there's an actual <laughs> title of an Avengers storyline that dealt with Avengers from different time periods. And rumor has it that some of the principal photography has these characters in various uh, previous stages of their characters' lives. You know, Captain America in the 40s, Thor with long hair, etc. So with that said, I'm going to go with Avengers Forever. So we'll see. I like that. All right. Better than Avengers and Robin. (laughs) Allow me to break the ice. Um, you can't hear, but I just did a face palm. <laughs> All right, we could hear it, and it was mirrored by mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to go ahead and play the theme for the money. For the love of God, people don't talk over it. You're going to hear silence. I'm going to hear the theme. The people at home will hear the theme. You will hear nothing. Silence in the courtroom. Here we go. Here come the money. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, money, I have to start telling people that now because I forgot that not everyone understands how Spreaker works and continually talks over the themes because they can't hear them, which cracks me up, but uh, sounds terrible. All right. Uh, Avengers Infinity War with a budget of, uh, leave it to me. 400 million. Yeah, something, was it, four, it was between three and 400 million. Um, as of... I, I, I tend to lean towards the upper bound limit, and again, they shot both of these back to back. Sure, we'll go with four hundred million. Not like it matters. Um, as of this recording, and we're doing this on a Tuesday night uh, worldwide, it has made seven hundred and twenty-five million dollars. If you're another studio, you are just <laughs> hating life and trying to find a voodoo doll of of like Disney Studios. It's ridiculous. Warm- more money in its opening weekend than Justice League took in in, in its entirety. Yes, that's yep. hilarious. I, I was about to say that there's this awesome meme going around that shows Chris Evans laughing hysterically with Ben Affleck just looking pissed off. <laughs> um, this may be a shock. Has, has someone photoshopped like the you know Ben uh, Ben Affleck's head onto like Sam Wilson's body from that bit in uh? uh Winter Soldier, and he's just lapping him over and over, going on your left. <laughs> um, so this may come as a complete shock to everybody, but Avengers Infinity War debuted at number one this past weekend. Um, <laughs> yes, Biggest it's... box office opening of all time. Yeah, it passed The Force Awakens. I mean, when I said, I've said all year this thing is going to make $2 billion. I, I fail to see how I'm going to be wrong about that. Um, so, yeah. Precipitous drop off over the next week, but that's about it. Um, not no, no. For the next two weeks, I don't. Uh, look, no, no, there's you nothing asked, coming out. No, I know. Not for another three. You weeks. asked how. That's how it would happen. No, it, there's there's enough time between this and Deadpool. Shut up, Robert. Um, be, you know that this continues to amass a lot <laughs> I of money. Hate Deadpool so much. We know we've 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 heard the podcast. Um, 
A Quiet Place fell from 1 to 2. You mean the one where two. you browbeat me into agreeing with you, saying shut up and have fun, damn it? <laughs> yeah, that one. You're going to have to be more specific than that. Uh, that's where that comes better from. If I told that, that's where that shit comes shit. from. <laughs> if I could continue. Uh, the Amy Schumer comedy that I'm sure we all know and love, I Feel Pretty... Um, stayed the same this week. Uh, it was last week. It was number three. It continued to be number three. Rampage fell from two to four. Black Panther. That's still in theaters. You could have gone to see Black Panther and this movie on the same day. Uh, went from eight to five. Just, just, just want you to think about that. This movie came out in February. It had. It's still in the top ten, and it rose three places. Pandering's mm-hmm. a great thing. Um, Super Troopers 2 fell from 4 to 6 Truth or Dis 5 to 7 Blockers starring John Cena Hey Alexis Did you know that my daughter uh, Lily her first Very first celebrity crush is John Cena You need to get your daughter Into therapy (laughs) I agree I keep telling her John Cena sucks I sing John Cena sucks she won't listen to me Um, I sing it too You should have seen it when I went to my first pay per view I was chanting along with the whole Cena sucks moving on, moving on. and that's why you'll always be invited I mean, back to this show great. he's only the best ever yeah. no that's the ultimate warrior moving on oh uh, shut up ready player you could, one I, you should have at least tried Goldberg <laughs> nope there's a better case to be made for Goldberg you're a better case to be made um ready player one and that's how I know I've won the argument six to nine traffic nine to ten Isle of Dogs ten to eleven um the Met Opera Cendrillion sure Debuted at number 12. Uh, I Wrinkle in Time. I don't know how this happened, and I don't know how I feel about it. Rose from 18 to 13. How is Reese Witherspoon turning into romaine lettuce? Still getting people to come to the theater to the point where it rose. It went up 34.2%. I don't know how that happened. I could tell you, but you wouldn't like it. I'm genuinely curious. Really? Different you people really like different to... things, and people no, 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 no. Yet? no, no. You you really want to know how this happens? Sure. Look at what happened in the political world over the last week. I can only imagine f- fell from twelve to fourteen. <laughs> Chappaquiddick, fourteen to fifteen. Sherlock Gnomes, fifteen to sixteen. Oh, okay. Tyler Perry's Acrimony, thirteen to seventeen. Uh, you were never really here. Twenty-one to eighteen. The Miracle Season, which made Jesse Starcher cry. Sixteen to nineteen, and finally uh, rounding out the top twenty, top top twenty rather, Beirut fell from seventeen to twenty. Um, lastly, uh, two other debuts, a couple of other debuts this weekend that nobody saw. Disobedience debuted at number twenty-two. Kings number twenty-six, and Let the Sunshine In at number thirty-nine. But you know, everybody else in the world saw Avengers: Infinity War, and that's really all that matters. Um, Right now, here's where we stand uh, for the year worldwide. This thing's number two worldwide after its opening weekend. Of course, it is. Um, so Black Pan- So right now, Disney, of course, owns the world. Um, it's got the top two spots, both Marvel films. Black Panther's still at number one with a, over a billion dollars. Avengers has got seven hundred twenty-five. Um, the Chinese Chinaman movie Operation Red Sea still at number three. Ready Player One hanging in there at number four. Detective Chinatown at number five. Robert Winfrey favorite movie this year, Fifty Shades Freed. 
Uh, hanging in there at number six. That doesn't work on me, Mark. You know that. <laughs> Monster Hunt. I don't care. It's still funny to me. Monster Hunt 2 at number seven. Rampage is hanging in there at number eight. Peter Rabbit. Peter Rabbit. Sony's best movie this year uh, in terms of ticket sales is at number nine. Number nine worldwide. $320 million. And rounding out the top ten is Pacific Rim. So, mm-hmm. uh... That's where we are. Of course, you know, the number one movie of the year. Um, it, the, nothing else coming out this year is going to top Infinity War or is going to make more money. I mean, uh, you know, Jurassic World, the, the nostalgia has passed. People will see it. It will make money. It will probably make its budget. But it's not doing the two. It's not doing two billion dollars. Um, and every and again, even the, the new Star Wars movie this year is, you know, it'll be lucky to break even considering they had to shoot the movie twice. Um, and they're big, and they're big. Like cliffhanger for the trailer is: Will Chewbacca die? Like he's not <laughs> in the next eight movies. Uh, all right, I I mean I don't have a whole lot to to add to this. Again, I stand by my two billion dollar mark. The question really then becomes: Does it make does it make more overall than the Force Awakens, which made two billion dollars? Does it beat Avatar? Does it beat Titanic? Uh, I'll, th- I'll kick that off to you guys. Alexis, what do you think? you think Avengers runs the table and beats Avatar in uh, Titanic worldwide gross? And- well, considering James Cameron's comments about comic book movie fatigue, I am praying that it does. I would just love that to come back and bite him in the ass. Yes, that would be that would be <laughs> loverly. Okay, like I, I, I got it. So, 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 Mark, you like taking note of all the movies out and everything. So, so could you tell me how many movies were released in theaters in, let's say, the United States last year? Oof. Like, rough, rough number? Um, mm, let's go with There's 300. What, well, hang on. There's, what, 40, 46 weeks a year, give or take? I think 52 weeks in a year, isn't it? 52 weeks in a year. Two weeks in a year. Okay. Sorry, 40 some odd UFC events a year because my life. My life <laughs> I, I, could, I could appreciate the confusion there. <laughs> uh, so, okay. That many weeks you get. Are we limiting this to major? Okay, so we're talking major theatrical that, That's releases. what I'm saying. Like, if you start thinking about like the, the, the independent releases, it's up there, man. It's in the hundreds. Uh, 200. I went with 300. Okay. All right, so let's lowball it. So let's say about 200 movies. Released in major theaters every year or last year in the United States, how many superhero movies did we get last year? Jeez, uh, Wonder Woman, Justice League, uh, Spider-Man, Thor. I'm sorry, what was that? Wonder Woman wasn't last year. That was the year before. Oh yeah, I think she's right there. No, it was last year. Wonder Woman and Justice League. I hang on. I will. I will find this out before Justice League. So it would have been the year before. I don't think that's right. When it was last summer, it was on my birthday. Nope, it was a fall movie. I remember that. Nope, it was June. Hang on. Uh, Wonder Woman, 2017, June second, my birthday. Are we yeah. counting the Lego Batman movie? Okay, hang on. I want to make I. I d- d- just to be clear, yes, I'm looking at the wiki now. Wonder Woman was June 2nd, 1976. That was the year I was born. Uh, 2017. So, yeah, Justice League Justice League, and Wonder Woman were last year. Spider-Man 4 
and ugh, what was uh, what was the first movie of twenty seven? The first Marvel movie of twenty seventeen was it? Wasn't Doctor Strange? That was twenty sixteen in November. Hang on, I have the list of films like released in two thousand seventeen here. Hang on, I'm about to go to my calendar. Hang on, I'm, I'm going with you. Da, 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 Dog's Purpose, Resident Evil. We took off. We took that whole month off. Crappy Lego Batman movie that I didn't have to see. I was very grateful for that. Logan. Oh, you. Logan. Oh, that's a good. So we had Logan was the first one. Well, Logan was the first comic book movie superhero. Yeah, I'll, I'll count it as a superhero movie. Wolverine, X Men, okay, all that. On. I think it counts. Um, nothing in March. April. Well, Logan was. We March. had Guardians. Well, we had the second Guardians in April. Oh yeah, that's a, that's that's an important one. Um. Okay. So yeah, those were the three Marvel movies: was, was Guardians, Star, um, Spider Man, and uh, Thor. Thor. Yeah, we had okay. Wonder Woman. Uh, yeah, which was released depending on where you were in May. Are we counting Power Rangers? No, no. Okay. If you want to get technical, there was also a small movie called Wilson that was uh, penned by uh, Daniel Close, the same guy who did Ghost World. All right. So, so what? Okay, um, where are we going with this, David? So, 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 all right. So we have there were six superhero movies released last year in the United States. So six divided by two hundred times. Did you also include Kingsman and Valerian? Those are technically comics. Yeah, I was thinking more like superhero comics, but uh, good okay. catches there. Okay, so we have a whopping 3% of movies released last year in the United States were superhero <laughs> movies. Can't you just feel the fatigue? <laughs> they're just they're going crazy. A long they're overrunning the entire box office. They're making <laughs> nothing but superhero movies now. People are getting sick and tired. I mean, they only have 97% of everything else to watch. <laughs> so, um, looking at where we stand with the studios right now as we plunge into the summer blockbuster season, and Disney owns your soul. <laughs> Disney's uh, got 30% of the market share with six movies tracked, and only half of them were in 2018. Even with a wrinkle in garbage, uh, you know, D- Disney just kicks is just kicking ass. Uh, Warner Brothers, despite their massive failure with the DC Cinematic Universe, is in second place with 12% of the market. Fox, which is um, which is not going to be a thing come next year, uh, has, yeah, 10, that has 10% of the, bo- uh, the market share. Sony, still alive, is, is, is tied with Fox at 10.5% of the market. Universal, but then, it, then its heavy hitters haven't really come out yet, is in fifth place. Paramount is in six Lionsgate um, Fox Searchlight STX and finally Roadside Attractions round out your top ten so once again it's a, it's Disney's world we're just living in it alright any other last comments here about the money before we move on to the third part of the podcast um Oh, good on A Quiet Place, still sticking around at number two for this particular weekend, and for continuing to make money, because it's a pretty solid movie um, that Mark will never that. see, because he's a wuss. I want to see it. I haven't had a chance to yet, but I really want to. It's pretty darn good, uh, especially if you can appreciate atmospheric horror. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. 
This weekend coming up is a nothing weekend. Uh, you have Bad Samaritan, which is a horror. Overboard, which is a romantic comedy. And Tully, Fuck. which is a, a comedy, none of which are from a major studio. So no one, will, anyone going to the theater is going to see the, Avengers the closest this weekend. Thing, the closest thing you get to a major release is, I think, going to be Tully, which is just Oscar bait. Um, the, the, the 11th, uh, the following weekend, we have one from Universal and one from Warner Brothers. Breaking In, which is the one where you have the, the black mom and the guy's trying to break in the house and she kills him and beats him up. Um, then you have Life of the Party uh, by Warner Brothers. God, who is in that? Um, Melissa McCarthy. Yep. Terrible. Uh, here we go. So, <laughs> moving right along. Um, you know, you'll, you'll, I'm sure you'll get you know pe- people who are fans of her movies will go see it. But again, it'll be overshadowed by Avengers. So no, no major competition until uh, the 18th when Deadpool comes out. Unless you're really into going to see Show Dogs. All right, I'm are we <laughs> praying for illness for that weekend? <laughs> All right, uh, let's go ahead. Now, here's how this next bit goes. I say, Winfrey, I have a question for you. Then I play a then I then I play a sound, and it's Triple H going, "Are you ready?" And then uh, Michael Scott saying, "No." Um, I don't an- want anyone to actually answer me when I say I have a question. <laughs> I have to stress that. Uh, Winfrey. Yep. I have a question. <laughs> I have a question for you. Are you ready? No! I said, are you ready? No! No, God, please, no, 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 no. So for the last couple of months, uh, when we prepare to do this segment, I've been sending uh, Robert pictures of some of these Rotten Tomato ones, the ones that I think are the most egregious, because I have to, because I can't wait for the show. you just want me to? I mean, like, are you actively trying to push me towards suicide? Is that that what you're doing with (laughs) this? These are some great ones. (laughs) We're going to start with them, okay? Oh, joy. uh, So let's start with Matthew. Now, now Alexis, this is your first time on Damn You Hollywood. You've been on TV Party. You've been on Source Material. Um, This is where, and I don't know how many Damn You Hollywood you've listened to, but this is where we tell the critics they're terrible at their job. Statistically, it's a very small amount. (laughs) Um, This is where we tell the critics they're terrible at their job. Now you feel free to participate, but if you but if you you know you think we're being a little too hard on the beaver, you know we want to hear from you there as well. David, you've already done this bit once, so you know the rules here. Okay, Does everyone know. Everyone know how we play this game. We good? I'm just a bit confused. Who's the beaver? Like, am I, am I the beaver? I am. I am the Canadian. <laughs> waka waka. <laughs> I'm gonna assume we're good. Proud and noble animal. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm gonna assume we're all good here, Dumb right? As a box of rocks, very social, but a noble animal. Matthew Raza of Salon.com, top critic. The okay. Avengers Infinity War isn't just a gussied up mediocrity being wildly being widely mistaken for a good movie. It's also, at least arguably, <clears throat> a dangerous movie for anyone who cares about the future of cinema. Alright. Twenty bucks says this ass hat. 
gave a positive review to the first Avengers movie, which is the precedent that actually led us here. The inability of people to actually trace cause and effect is staggering. And it is deeply and profoundly troubling for the future of Western civilization. Point for using the word gusset, though. <laughs> yes. You know, I'll, do, I'll do you one better. 30 bucks says he gave a positive review to Justice League. <laughs> oh wow, them fighting words. Well, she is <laughs> I, I was a little worried Alexis wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be able to handle this. Nope, she jumped right in there. <laughs> She's like, let yeah, me at him. Uh, you know, it's a gussied up mediocrity. Yeah, so's the majority of these. So are the majority of films being peddled about. Uh, I mean, th- you probably felt morally obligated to give a positive review to A Wrinkle in Time because it had Oprah in it. And Reese Witherspoon turning into romaine lettuce. If only. God, anyone at home playing the drinking game, take a drink every time I say Reese Witherspoon turning into romaine lettuce. You will have alcohol poisoning by the end of any one of my shows. Um, all right. Really want to get hammered? Take a drink when you're watching Thor Ragnarok every time you think or say, shut up, Korg. <laughs> all right, here's one of our... Even fish- if you like the... Let, 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 let me be clear. Even if you like the movie, any time you think or say, shut up, Korg... Take a shot, and you'll be pretty well hammered by the end of that two hours. So there are certain reviewers that I like to read from every week, mostly because they tweak Winfrey's nipples. This is our. This is one of the, the ones we hate the most. Uh, this is Mister Roger Moore of Movie Nation, and I picked this, this guy. <laughs> and I picked this one specifically because <laughs> I know how much Winfrey hated the original Deadpool. But um, Roger Moore of Movie Nation, maybe Deadpool Two will be better. Okay. <laughs> How does this actually qualify as doing your job? I mean, in all sincerity, what does that have to do with the film you're supposed to be reviewing? Oh, maybe Deadpool 2 will be better. Maybe it will. You know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to discount that possibility. The universe is full of not an infinite number of possibilities, but an exponentially large number of them. And if you choose to dabble into the metaphysical, it might actually become infinite. Your mileage may vary as far as your belief system goes. But what does that have to do with this? It has nothing to do with this. Second of all, it probably won't. Because they're just going to do what they did the first time. And I'll want to die while watching it. Speaking of which, Matt Goldberg of Collider. We hates oh. you, Collider. We hates you. <laughs> yeah, this whole outlet has just... <laughs> God, my this fucking this trash bag is, is all of Collider. Um, the movie is packed with fun banter and set pieces, but it's not really about anything. And its ending falls flat. <laughs> that, I remember yeah, wow. something about a guy trying to get six magic rocks so he could end half of the life in the universe to prevent overpopulation and basically having to sacrifice everything he had to do it. I get the feeling that this is the guy who sits there pouting when he doesn't get his happy ending. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not even going to respond to that one. That's... Uh... <laughs> Oh, the ending falls flat. Well, yeah, the bad guy won. I mean, <laughs> I, I understand you might have actually, like, never seen a movie of it with any sort of depth to it. But, you know, Michael Corleone's not a good guy either, and he wins. Maybe Thanos should have talked to someone about milkshakes. <laughs> Hugo Hernandez Valdivia of Cine, uh, of Cine Excepcion. Aside from a few frames of Thanos laboring on his feelings, there is no other commentary other than the idea of sacrifice. As though that's not 
Oh, God. All right. Uh, as though the notion of sacrifice is somehow not enough. I mean, the fundamental notion of sacrifice is what actually separates us from the... It, it is the grand revelation along with human consciousness. And not to... I'm going to try to avoid getting you know religious here. But the notion that you can sacrifice something in the here and now for a better future, the very concept of the future, is def is like fundamentally what separates us from every other animal species on Earth. But no, 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 we're not actually dealing with anything of act of consequence or depth here. Just sacrifice. Just, just a human construct that allowed the progression of civilization, that allowed us to go from a bunch of loosely connected hunter-gatherers into you know, what we are today. No, no, no. This clearly carries no philosophical or emotional weight. I mean, Citizen Kane, was, you? Citizen Kane wasn't about anything more than just, like, being rich and successful makes you into a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Alan Zilberman of Washington City Paper. If the Marvel Cinematic Universe aims to reshape popular entertainment, it needs to move beyond climax after climax with unremarkable repetitive violence. I thought its goal was to make tons of money. Yeah. Uh, indeed. I mean, really. <laughs> like, no, no, no. If they, if they want to make this grand artistic statement, no, they want to make money. <laughs> I mean, How do you get that repetitive violence? I mean, yeah, it, it's a violent movie because it's an action movie, but... It's not a it, violent what, movie. At what point you have... <laughs> it's rated PG. I know, right? A soldier picking up Rocket Raccoon, and they're spinning around, firing guns from both ends. I, I, I struggle for the I struggle with the word repetitive. Yeah, that's uh, unless his point of context is for the totality of the MCU, in which case, yeah, there's a lot of repetition. But it's like poetry; it rhymes. <clears throat> Moving on, Eric. Like people like seeing things that they like over and over again. Yeah, that that's a deep cut, George. That's a deep cut, George Lucas joke. Um, Eric Estrada of Cinegarage. A disenchanting reign of colors that spans 150 minutes that will continue for years to come. Hey, Alexis, do you see why we do this now? Well, I was just going to say, span of colors. What, did he forget to put on the 3D glasses? <laughs> oh. <laughs> actually, I, I should say, side note, I'm actually going to see uh, Infinity War again tomorrow with my husband. And one of the major reasons, not only because the movie was awesome, um, I bought 3D tickets, and I thought we were going to see in an IMAX 3D. I bought Prime 3D, and the screen was actually darkened down quite a bit. It, it hurt the eyes, and there wasn't a lot to see, so we agreed, we're seeing it again. We're not seeing 3D. We're not going to risk that happening again. So I, uh, we have just gotten a bad projector. I don't know. This guy just really likes his sepia tones. That's what this is about. <laughs> How dare uh, it be brightly colored and easily readable? I demand more Michael Bay robot fighting when I can't tell what the hell's going on. More blue and orange. Watching two piles of garbage trying to make love to each other. <laughs> Rebecca, That's basically what a Transformers fight scene looks like. Yes. <laughs> that is shockingly accurate. <laughs> Thank uh, credit to Red Letter Media for that description, but yeah. <laughs> Re Rebecca Paul of Film Journal International. Enjoyable but empty. Avengers Infinity War embodies the humdrum side of the MCU. I wonder what if I go consider... full humdrum. What do you consider not <laughs> empty? I was going to say, if, that, if she considers that humdrum, I shudder to think what she, uh, the MCU movie she actually considers to be on top. One she can attach unreasonable political perspectives to? Yeah, I'm sure she loved Black Panther. I mean, consider the outlet. 
Um, Joe, uh, Paul Whittington of the Irish Independent. Pretty sure we hate this one. We hate this rag, and we get a lot of our bad reviews from it. Joe and Anthony Russo's film was like an over-egged birthday cake, edible in patches, but spoiled by too many competing ingredients. Um, no. I, I'd say it's <laughs> like a well-made birthday cake. Going with no. Like, wh- what's your gripe here? Like, oh, there's too many competing. Like, wh- what would you have cut? Like, <laughs> how would you have done this better? Yeah, I honestly, I I was saying to my dad, I was like, one of the things that disappointed me was they didn't explore uh, anything with Natasha, and Black Widow, and, and Banner in the one moment they have together. And my father was like, how long did you want this movie to be? Four hours? Like, well, kind of. <laughs> to be fair, like, I could deal with that, but <laughs> if this is being made for commercial release... right. I'm sure I would love I would love it like a like a like a four hour cut of this movie with that actually gives some more character beats to the other characters. But hey, you know, it was Thanos' yeah. movie. I got it. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna argue. I, I, look, I mean, to, to the unpaid they, intern listening, if you have access to this, pitch that. We will take a like three and a half hour cut of this movie that is just an expansion on stuff from what was released. You don't have to include anything from the upcoming sequel. Not for nothing, but I have, like, the special editions of all the Lord of the Rings movies, and those clock in at about three and a half hours. I think the whole thing all yep. told is, like, 12 hours. And, and then, like my God, there was stuff with just uh, Eowyn and uh, the, the not-dead brother from... Um, the, uh, yeah, yeah, they, they, they spent some more time fleshing out yeah. their romance. Right. Um, all right sorry, be There's a reason here. it ended up on the cutting room floor, but... <laughs> Uh, and so they didn't I, even film Tom Bombadil just to further piss off all no, the tourists. No, Tom Bombadil! God, why did you say that name? It's like Martha. Anyway, um, Blake Crane of Film Balls. I don't even understand what he's saying here. Avengers Infinity, Avengers Infinity War changes everything. Maybe. Huh? Okay, I can kind of decipher the... I can kind of decipher the stupid here. <laughs> I think he got his his last Jedi review crossed with his Infinity War review. Possible. <laughs> it's more that they were using this as a that is one of the taglines, like yeah, where will you be when everything changes? The maybe is because we know nothing's changing. Like they're not going there is not the internal strength of artistic conviction to burn down the billion dollar franchises that they've made in favor of trying anything different. Which is what this poor, unfortunate individual is trying to say. But I'm, like, I'm pretty good at kind of like seeing through into what people are actually saying when they say stuff like that because I have to do that on a somewhat weekly basis with fighters during post-fight interviews. No, I've only been concussed. Let me try to speak coherently. Makes you wonder if a lot of these critics are just completely incapable of suspension of disbelief. You know, going back to what we were talking earlier about how we know there's sequels and everything... Yes, we know these characters are coming back, but there is a joy in, you know, just holding our breath and wondering, is this it? Is this finally going to happen? We know it's not, but we love playing along and immersing ourselves in that emotion. Yeah, well, for me, I, what I compare the Marvel Cinematic Universe the most to is basically Saturday morning cartoons. Like, when I was a kid, like, I watched the 90s Spider-Man cartoon, which was pretty good, if I remember it. And, yeah. and one of the things they... I mean, okay, look, I, I was I was a kid, okay? Hit and miss, hit and miss. Oh, yeah, there were bad episodes. It hasn't, like... well, it really hasn't. Dude, yeah. plasma, 
He needs plasma. It's just <laughs> plasma is like ninety percent water. Yeah. But you know, like it's it's that kind of story where it's just kind of like you know fun. It's like oh hey, you know we're meeting this new character, and you're like yo, we're doing an episode of Doctor Strange. It's like oh hey, it's this wizard. And hey, here's wizard Blade. Yeah, here's Blade, Blade works so well in this context. Okay. Uh, yeah, or like Daredevil. It's like, hey, Peter Parker needs a lawyer. Hey, who's this Matt Murdock guy? Oh, apparently he has superpowers or something. But, you know, like, it's just that's the the space that the Marvel movies take for me. Like, I'm not going to say that the greatest films ever made, but I walk into one of those movies. I see the logo, the Marvel Studios logo. And I'm like, OK, I'm probably going to have a good time. And yeah, I pretty much always do. And, you know, I wish I did. That's that's <laughs> I that's all I really ask for. <laughs> Moving on. Um, all right. Uh, AA Dad of the <laughs> AV Club, top critic. Infinity War inherits plenty of problems endemic to crossovers. The privileging of quantity over quality, of spectacle over story, and of the shock value of major changes to the status quo over just about everything else. Yeah. Okay. Hang on. Let's kind of take this piece by piece here. The whole point of a crossover is that you can do spectacle over story, that you have set up the story in all the preceding installments. I don't even think that's a fair criticism here because they actually give Thanos an arc. They give Thanos things to do. There is story behind that character. And as far as changes to the status quo, I mean, A, like nothing's really changing, and B, yeah, that's kind of the point. The point behind these major crossover events is supposed to be that they are narrative beats, the overarching narrative. These are the bumps in the road. These are the things that you have to correct for and affect the course of things going forward. I mean, that is what they're, that is how these are supposed to be. That's what they are in most of the comics when they do big crossover events. It's to, in some cases, just hit reset buttons because, boy, we sure didn't like how that went. <laughs> Ross Bonamy of Brightest Young Things. Infinity War feels about as emotionally empty as a child slamming action figures together. That is a high compliment. I mean, again... Hang on, Alexis, you were about to say something? I I wasn't about to say something, I just blurted out jackass. Okay, (laughs) I wanted to make sure it was heard. (laughs) Uh, No, like... Well, I'm curious. I mean, first of all, how you react to things emotionally is uniquely personal. Mark was like, no, Peter. And I watched that and went, yeah, no. No. (laughs) We both said no, Peter, but differently. I I wanted the scene to end. (laughs) (laughs) No, just stop talking and go away. Uh, I'm just going to respond to that with a quote from uh, Bob Chipman's review of the G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra movie. It's like this is this is this is a movie about two secret organizations going at it with every single fighter jet, battleship, submarine, tank, and ninja that 150 million dollars can put on screen. You know, the only thing missing from the action scenes is a, a disenchanted voice saying "batteries not included" and everything looks like it was choreographed by throwing a bucket of action figures at a group of five-year-olds and transcribing every single damn thing they do. And I mean that as the highest form of compliment. <laughs> Take a breath. There's nothing wrong with getting into that headspace once in a while. There isn't, and again, I would challenge the, you know, emotionally hollow bit with, you know, just because you walked out of it feeling dead, 
is not that hang on that doesn't mean the movie failed in this particular instance i mean if you walked out of thor ragnarok like i did feeling dead or you walked out of deadpool feeling dead that means the movie failed you for and look that's that, that does not mean the movie is a failure it means it failed you which is fine those movies aren't made for me i can live with that if you walked out of this feeling dead it's because you were supposed to i mean and I understand that, you know, we've spent 20 years debunking the importance of authorial intent, or in this case, filmmaker intent, but considering they kind of wanted you to feel that way, I, that does need to count for something. All right. Um, I'm going to start winding this down here. Uh, Michael Phillips of the Chicago Tribune, top critic. Ten years ago this month, the Marvel Universe was launched with a fresh, lively, relatively easygoing Iron Man. It seems more like a hundred. I mean, your personal level of jaundice and disenfranchisement is your personal level of <laughs> jaundice and disenfranchisement. I don't get the comment. It feels like 100. Is he saying that it feels like this has been going on too long? Does he feel like this has been a bigger part of our world than it actually has? I don't get if that's like a really big insult or just a very back-of-the-hand compliment. This is clearly not a man who wants to review these types of movies. Where is Leonard Malton and all this, by the way? Where is Old Man or Old Man Morgenstern? Uh, I will find them, but I have to read this one to you, and, and we should all discuss this for the next hour. This is a fantastic... This is quite poignant. I mean, this really cuts to the heart of the matter. This is what criticism is all about. Have I, have I played it up too much? Here we go. Avi Offer of New York City Movie Guru says, The equivalent of a bad one-night stand with a very weak climax that you wish would have ended much sooner. Hubba hubba. Uh, that was a weak climax? <laughs> I mean, the, this... I, I, I feel sad for this man's love life. <laughs> yeah. I feel even more sad for any people unfortunate enough to be involved in said love life. Yep. <laughs> I mean, look, man, just because they have to fake it with you doesn't mean that... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean that was a low blow, but I mean, draw... dude, put that in your review, so you know you open the door. Why would you try to draw that as your particular equivalent here? Like, why is that your hook? Why is that like? I, I know what I'll relate this to: bad relate, bad sex when you're drunk. <laughs> so we, you know, we've all talked about having to disengage yourself from the the, the context of the movie. You know, knowing there's a sequel, knowing these actors will be back for a sequel, et cetera, et cetera. The source material and, you know, and, and how it's the same and different from the movie. Well, here's Diana Sanger of ReviewExpress.com who says, Nothing is solved as fighters on both sides die, and that's the end of the story. So what's left? It's almost like it's setting up a sequel. Like this is the this is the Arn Anderson of movie reviewers. No one told her it's a work. Again, yeah, it's like going back to what I was saying earlier. Did she not watch Empire Strikes Back or The Desolation of Smell or I any mean, of those? Mark, this is the person that was next to you in the theater when you were walking out of Fellowship of the Ring who went, Wait, what about the ring and more and Mount Doom and Mortal? Hi, Carol. <laughs> uh and we're going to end with like, this I, one. Go ahead. Like, trying to divorce yourself from too much meta-knowledge is fine, but then, again, if you're Arn Anderson, who's still out somewhere on a bender celebrating the death of Dusty Rhodes because the horseman finally got one over on him, what are you doing? 
Uh, so none of the ones we particularly hate uh, said anything negative. So we're going to end with uh, James Vernier of the Boston Herald. It's an infinity, all right. The definition of overkill. No, you mean that literally things... or figuratively? I mean... But how do you fail? How is writing your profession and you fail that badly at comprehension? Oh, it's an infinity, all right. No, it actually has a beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> that is definitionally different from that from the infinite. Oh, and there's so much overkill. I'm happy to hear... Like, One of the things Mark and I like doing about this is, okay, we didn't like this. How would we do it better? Like, suggest something. And I understand that's hard for most of these critics who are, as I've said many times, they're not failed filmmakers who have gone into critical... Just, who have gone into critical review these are like failed political bloggers who have gone into m- reviewing movies because yeah these are all people who are film. desperately depressed they can't work for the Huntington Huffington Post <laughs> <laughs> this is why they wanted Kevin Williamson fired from the Atlantic to open up a spot that they think they are qualified to take all right, and that brings us to the end of our discussion here of uh, Avengers: Infinity War. We went Critics, extra. You suck. <laughs> we went extra long to accommodate our guests, but also the gravity of the film itself. Uh, next week, uh, or rather, in um, three weeks, when we discuss Deadpool, we'll go back to a, a much more succinct podcast because I'm sure it's going to go Deadpool Two. It stunk. Well, it wasn't that bad. All right, plugs. Um, Come on, ten more minutes, and we'll be longer than the movie. <laughs> you get, tune in in two weeks and you can listen to me try not to you know, off myself on air when talking about Deadpool again I'm hoping it reaches the fever pits that Age of Extinction did I really hope it breaks down to me and you screaming at one another I hope it wakes one of my children um, seriously you defended the continued <laughs> use of Wanda Sykes in the first movie that still blows my mind <laughs> alright speaking of Wanda Sykes David Go ahead and plug uh, plug anything you're working on, any projects, any podcast. Tell people where you live. Uh, give them out. Give them your phone number so they can call you. Uh, I think I'll take a pass on that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got enough stuff to deal with. Thank anyway. you very much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, usual shout out to Movie Bob, Bob Chipman, great movie critic to take a look at. Uh, Lindsay Ellis. If you're not watching her video essays on YouTube, you should be. Uh, and, of course, a uh, big shout-out to uh, the founder of the Canadian division of the Radulich and Broadcasting Network, you know, Andrew Graham. Yep. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of all I really have to say for now. Alexis Haina, hawk your wares. There is no active Shut up, right. Alexis. Not, not, not you, Amazon Alexis. Real Alexis. <laughs> Human Alexis. Oh, that opens up so many possibilities now. <laughs> You knew it was going to happen. Okay. Uh, actually, we do have something special going on. In honor of Star Wars Day this week, May the 4th, Honeysuckle Rose Creations is actually doing a big sale. 20% off on our Etsy store on anything that is sci-fi, outer space related. Star Wars, Star Trek, Lantern Corps, Doctor Who, Firefly, the list goes on. Head to our, site, head to our uh, Etsy store again. That's Honeysuckle Rose Creations. Be sure to check out the sale. Okay. Uh, do you have a website or anything, or just a Facebook page? Uh, we are on Facebook. We're, uh, we do have a website, HoneysuckleRoseCreations.com. We're also on Twitter, Instagram. I am just kind of overexerting myself on social media at this point, but <laughs> say a lot of people. 
<laughs> All right. Absolutely a pleasure to have you both on. Uh, remember, the door is always open. Anytime you have a burning desire, you know where to find us in the invitation. The door is always open. Um, and yesterday, uh, in celebration of the Avengers Infinity War, Source Material did Thanos Rising, the five-part uh, series on his origin. Uh, the previous week, the day Avengers Infinity War dropped, and it's currently in the archives, we revisited the Infinity Gauntlet graphic novel slash uh, crossover. Uh, it was myself and Pat Mullen, where we discussed that Thanos is actually a big pussy who's trying to impress a girl and failing at every turn when she turned and, uh, when she turned and decided to be with the superhero hunk that is Adam Warlock. That was our take on the story. Well, Adam Warlock is a genetically perfect being and a rather useless character, so... Makes sense. Seems yep. about right. It, I, we, we decided that this was a... a, a wait, wait, wait. Uh, it just occurred to me that, Ad, that Adam Warlock is every frat boy ever. Yeah, I, I just said that. <laughs> I, I said quarterback, but sure. Same thing. Um, tomorrow night, speaking of gods, uh, tomorrow night on the Metal Hammer of Doom, we will be reviewing the new Godsmack album, When Legends Rise. And because Pat Mullen thought this was a good idea... Uh, Bruno San Martino recently passed away. We're going to look back at the legacy he left in the world of wrestling, and then we're going to commentate on one of his matches, specifically a match at the Madison Square Garden with um, superstar Billy Graham. So check that out. Uh, it's me and Pat Mullen talking Bruno, his legacy, and commentating on one of his matches. Next week, here on the Rattle and Broadcasting Network... Source material will be looking at uh, He-Man, Thundercats, the uh, five uh, the five issue crossover event from DC Comics, and uh, we'll also there's a brief discussion in that show of first of all the best time to have brunch um, because this this all occurred at a night where I was trying to plan Mother's Day and wanted to punch my dad in the throat. Long story, um, but uh, that's not all... a long story. That, that's your average Tuesday. <laughs> True. Um, Love you, Dad. But uh, we also talked about, you know, uh, playing with He-Man figures and Thundercats and a really neckbeardy conversation over which make the better wrestlers, G.I. Joe figures or He-Man. I voted for He-Man. Um, uh, speaking, oh, speaking of He-Man, uh, on trial returns on May 8th, we're going to look at the board game adapt- movie adaptation, Battleship. I'm probably going to defend it because oh. I am a glutton oh. for punishment. <laughs> Oh, sucks <laughs> to be you, man. <laughs> I, Mark, there's a reason Taylor Kitsch can't get work. <laughs> Let's see. Am I set to? Am I set to defend this thing? I think I am. I think I am. I think I am. Yes, I'm defending. Hot damn! I'm so excited. I mean, so, Peter Berg directed this. Yeah, it's awesome. I love Battleship. No, <laughs> it borrows leftover sound effects from one of the Transformers movies. It really does. It, 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 it really does just use random sounds from Transformers. It's fantastic. This Random is... visuals from Transformers, too. Yep, this is cinematic art at its finest. Battleship on trial, May 8th. Check it out. It is awful, awful, awful. I will say this. If you didn't see the movie, don't. Just listen to these two talk about it. You'll be better off. Say, that's and, the movie that made us all quote Jay Sherman. If the movie sucks, just don't go. Yeah. <laughs> just don't watch. Stinks. Yeah, it's Jay. Everything stinks. And speaking of stinks, on the Metal Hammer of Doom, we'll be reviewing the new Monster Magnet album, Mindfucker. Uh, and that's enough plugs for me. Winfrey, do your plugs and take us home. All right. 
Uh, this coming Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will have the 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show back in action. We took last week off because there was nothing to talk about. I mean, there was a Bellator card we could have previewed, but I hate Bellator. And Apparently, I Frank Miller like got wrecked by Fedor. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could be happy about that because I'm a big Fedor fan, but I can't. It's Bellator. <laughs> I, I just can't. Now they're going to have to... Now they're hyping up... Because the next round of that tournament is going to be uh, Fedor and Chael. I, just, I would rather eat glass. <laughs> okay, anything else, sir? Hang on. Well, this week we'll be previewing UFC 224. Pretty sure. Yes. Which is not a good card. Yes, it's, you are previewing UFC 224, which is Nunez versus someone who's going to get wrecked by Nunez. Yeah, it, again, it's not a good card. Oh, God, it's but a Cal we'll Pennington. Pre- yes. That division sucks. Um, so we will be previewing all of that. Uh, and the week after that, we will be reviewing that. And I think we'll be previewing uh, the Chile card. Yeah, we will be previewing that one, which got a new headliner. It was supposed to be Kamaru Usman and Santiago Ponzinibbio. Ponzinibbio fell out. Uh, so Damian Maya steps in to fight Usman. So we'll, uh, we'll preview that card. That's also not a very good card. They're in Chile for this, right? Yeah, yeah, this is their uh, their debut in Chile. Boy, that's not a good card. <laughs> you, like, you, you would think Winfrey drank, but he doesn't. He has to do this sober. I, I do not drink. That is very true. So, you can look forward to that. Um, I will have live coverage of those events as well in the MMA Zone 411 Mania. So if you're into the sport of mixed martial arts, stop by, say hello, follow along if you're so inclined. Um, I won't be on any of the upcoming podcasts for the next couple of weeks apart from those, I don't think, uh, but I will be back. For Deadpool. In a, I am praying for illness. I am praying for some kind of debilitating sickness. Would it make you feel better if I told you I'm not a huge Deadpool fan myself? It helps. But I have a reason. Comic-Con vendor. I see at least ten Deadpool cosplays a week. <laughs> but more or less I'm... than the Harley Quinns. Hang on. Oh, I just wait. This is where we have to reference that this is the winter of Winfrey's discontent. He has a run of all movies he's very excited about, starting with Deadpool, then Solo, then, uh, we, we, again, we break for two weeks, um, then The Incredibles, then Jurassic World, uh... We break again, then Ant-Man and the Wasp, then Skyscraper, another break, then Mission Impossible Fallout, uh, Christopher Robin, The Meg, and then finally the summer is over. Yeah, there's three of those that I'm actually looking forward to. Maybe. (laughs) uh, I I think Incredibles might be pretty, might be good. Uh, I mean, Pixar is a great track record to begin with. I'm looking forward to Skyscraper because The Rock being John McClane is like that. That's can't mess in some respects. It's Die Hard uh, with one I, leg. I am kind of looking forward to Christopher Robin as well. Um, you know, being a huge Winnie the Pooh fan. So, oh, real quick, can you guys do me a favor on that one? Possibly. Uh, could Could you make mention of whether or not they acknowledge the Canadian roots of Winnie the Pooh in the film? I'm guessing they're probably not going to, but 
You mean if they yeah, eat we'll maple see. syrup and say A? No, like the name comes from uh, a yeah. bear mascot for a uh, Canadian Forces Regiment in First World War, named after Winnipeg, the city. Oh, you no-selling fool. Um, uh, real quick plug for Alexis Haina. Her next appearance on the Source Material podcast will be Kingdom Come, and that will be August 27th. Ooh. Glad you reminded me about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, that was the idea. <laughs> all right. Um, I think that's uh, all. That's everything? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that's everything apart from my... Okay. If anyone in my area, and I live in central Utah, if you know of a somewhat disreputable restaurant where I can get food poisoning pretty <laughs> consistently... <laughs> I'm just not, saying. You're not getting out of this. You used your, you used your one getting out of jail free card. You used it on Barbie, which isn't coming out this year. No, no, no. I get it back if the movie doesn't come out. That's the uh, rule. That's not in your contract. All right. <laughs> that absolutely is in my contract. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm taking over the outro here. God damn it. For Alexis Haina of Honeysuckle Rose Creation... Uh, for David Wright from our Canadian office of the Rad Legend Broadcasting Network, for Robert Winfrey, who is discontented. Uh, and just host... might not be here in three weeks. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> yes, you will. Uh, I you am... don't know that. <laughs> I'm your mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Radlidge, and this has been our coverage of Avengers Infinity War. We'll be back in two weeks for Deadpool. Be well, be safe, and behave. And for the love of God, don't talk over the outro. Yes. <laughs>